0: following days of thunder pay-per-view special is brought to you as part of the pwom podcast network subscribe to pwom now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past the present and much much more let's start the show Thunder buddies and travelers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the PWOM podcast network. I'm your harbinger of doom, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, we're here. It's finally the end of 1998.
1: You did it. A, a lot of people <laughs> said we couldn't. They said we wouldn't make it past two weeks, Dave. Yeah, a lot of people might argue whether we made it here intact. i mean listen i i take a great sense of accomplishment in the fact that we've made it this far yeah and now that we're so invested that you know all the chips are in we're not going anywhere we're (laughs) here to the better end i mean yeah
0: if we're going to get through the first year i think it's pretty locked that we're we're going to get through to to the end of it now we might as well stepped in so far and all that jazz mm-hmm. but uh before we get into all that crap uh <laughs> how was
1: your your few weeks been hectic um yeah we haven't chatted in a while no it, it seems like it's been a real long time i was only thinking of this today um between one thing or another it just seems like we haven't talked in weeks on weeks like i know we did a podcast about three weeks ago three weeks yeah but even then, like, it's just like, this is only the second time we've talked in what, like five, six weeks. And it just yeah. seems like a real compared to like how often we had been talking. Yeah. It seems like a real long
0: time. It's just one of those times. And I think we said it on, on, um, on the tweet machine. that just like, sometimes just real life gets in the way mm-hmm. your work picked up. Uh, I had, I had two weeks fairly busy in work cause we were starting to open back up as well. And then I took last week off, um, work and off of recording as well, uh, mm-hmm. because it was in fact my birthday and a little uh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for your kind words uh eat made from the, uh, the days of thunder account at WCW Thunderpod. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. 32 years young. I am now officially. Um, and it was a really good birthday. It was much better than last year's lockdown birthday. I actually got to go and do stuff this year, which was nice. Um, we got to go out during the day and go get Japanese food on the day of my birthday. Oh, very nice. Brought the dog out to the country for a walk. And then at the weekend, I got to see the lads, capital T, capital L <laughs> uh for the first time. You uh, met so
1: Ru- Barrett? Was like, yeah, the,
0: the League <laughs> of Nations uh had a had a, had a party for me. Um yeah, I don't, was... I don't think Del Rio is getting into the country though. No, no, I don't want big Bertie Bander <laughs> showing up at my fucking birthday party. Thank you very much. But uh no, it was it was nice. It was like It was a real slice of pre-pandemic life. And I think that's like as things start opening back up, I think this time Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely not taking it for granted in case there's ever a step back and things close for a few weeks again. That like as soon as stuff open back up, I'm I'm going straight for it. Like since the last time we talked, I think I've been to the cinema for the first time since they reopened. That was my first one since February of 2020 for someone who used to go maybe three times a week that it's that's been like one of the really tough what was
1: what was the movie you chose to see
0: a quiet place part two which was actually quite good uh the the thing about the cinemas opening for the first time in 14 15 months is that what is in the cinema is absolute muck (laughs) because it's like stuff that is held over from when they were briefly open last year um middling kids movies and then there was the the, i think the only two ones that were palatable to me really were quiet place part two and nobody the um that that new action movie um so i went to see that i'll probably go see nobody at some stage and then as we're recording this uh friday uh f9 the fast saga is out so that'll be getting watched i already have my ticket booked for that
1: hey dave speaking of the fast saga oh
0: look at this look at this have you have you something to plug this week i do as you're listening to this so this will drop on on thursday night our time um there should already in your pwom or days of thunder podcast feeds whatever way you try to subscribe to us if you want to do both give us double the clicks please feel free um You should have the latest episode of The Cast and the Furious, which is our little kind of sidebar, our little mini series, which is myself, Chris Damaseno from uh, Strong Style Story, and Jack Lazel from my other podcast linked to the cast. Each episode, we're tackling two. Uh, Fast and Furious movies and uh, this episode was Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift and Fast and Furious from 2009 also referred to by a lot of people as just ampersand Uh, (laughs) because it's just there's no the it's just Fast and Furious straight to the point the return of Big Vin Um, I think it's a really good episode I think it's even better than our first episode because we're talking about kind of I think the um I think the plucky underdog favorite of a lot of people is Tokyo Drift. Whereas fast and furious is maybe it's everyone's either least favorite or second least favorite. And we mm. do try to unpack where that sits for the three of us. Um, we talk about a lot of things about uh, Vin Diesel's powers, uh, supernatural powers of detection, being able to recreate crime scenes in his head and, um, it's yeah, it's a whole time we talk about Justice for Han, the the whole regalia. It's it's a good show. We've got a few left. Uh we kind of realized that we weren't going to get it out in time for F9, just because again, various scheduling conflicts between the three of us. But with the way things are opening back up, I don't think most people are going to get to see this movie straight away. So, no. do you know, by the time maybe we've got all 4.5 episodes out because we have four films plus Hobbs and Shaw left to cover um by the time we get to the end of that maybe people will have seen it um but we can assure you that there will be no we have put down a moratorium that you can listen to the cast and the furious and even though all three of us are seeing f9 this week we are not going to mention it even once ah, very good so, so that no one will be spoiled you can keep watching along the films with us uh, as we get back but thank you for the opportunity for that plug my friend <laughs> um something else that that happened in the three weeks we've been off i got my second vaccine so I am. Oh, you are fully vaccinated. You can go lick some doorknobs. I am fully 5G ready at this point. I am. Yeah, I'm delighted. And it was it was actually no side effects at all. Oh,
1: None. I, uh, I think you're the second person that I've talked to that's got the second vaccine that had no side effects.
0: Yeah. So the, the woman in the center was having I'm in. I, I had AstraZeneca and she said that um, it's the first one of the AstraZeneca and the second one of the Pfizer are supposed to be the worst. Mm. And she said, like, if you have um, any side effects at all from the first uh, AZ one, it's supposed to be much, much milder the second time. And honestly, I didn't like I was maybe a tiny bit sleepy.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: You know, that's that's about it. But like it was at the it was at the very start of my holidays and the end of my like busy period of working. So I didn't notice if I was any more tired than I would have been otherwise. But it was
1: well, I, I was able to finally register for the vaccine oh, on yeah. Sunday. They're so finally I,
0: starting to open up in the
1: 30s now. Yeah, so I'm in that, you know, peak 35 to 40 age bracket. So uh, <laughs> I'm now awaiting, awaiting the text,
0: shall we say. Yeah. Uh, let me And um, just let me brace you for that in advance. I don't know about other countries. Maybe you could tweet us in because I am genuinely curious. But um, I both times got less than 24 hours notice. I would well believe it, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was like, oh, you know, I, I'm there, like, I think it was like five o'clock uh, in the evening, and they were like, oh, it's 2 p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Great, thanks.
1: It's <laughs> yeah, good thing he, I was already off. Yeah, um, like, it's funny, like, like, Jen's mom got her second vaccine this week, hmm. and, like, the first one, she had to go to City West, which is fine, it's only up the road, and then the second vaccine, oh, no, you have to go over to UCD which is like the other side of dublin <laughs> yeah
0: oh man that sucks yeah, yeah my, so. both, both mine were in uh this makes this is, this is like this is so ah, this is short, just yeah, saying yeah. fucking location look it's also shorty, fucking guys. We care. I, both of mine were in the city west convention center which is like a bit of 40 minutes <laughs> trip from my house so it wasn't too bad all things considered but hey look um Let's start to to move towards WCW here and something I want to share, one last shout out before we get directly into this show, Lee, and that is because we have reached the end of the year, that means our next episode is going to be the Thundies. Woohoo! It's award season, baby. So if you don't remember how we did it last year, myself and Lee, the esteemed panel, uh, we are going to put together uh, a list of categories for voting in in our Thundee Awards. Now, we will be... Most of the categories, if not all of the ones from the first Thundee Awards that were kind of like our midterm report of 1998 mm-hmm. will be returning. Uh, I've had an idea for uh, a couple of ones that would be good for uh, specifically a year-end review. And... Um, and what will happen is rolling out over the 10 days or so before we record the Thundies episode, we will put out maybe one a day, one every two days, or something like that. We will space out um, the categories. We will name the category, the nominees, and put up a Twitter poll that um, the Thunder Buddies can vote in. And did we, I can't remember, I haven't listened back to the show in a while, but did we overturn any results out of pure disgust last time or did we honour the public?
1: I mean, I'm sure I probably overturned something. It, it feels
0: like the last
1: Hundys <laughs> were right in the thick
0: of the continuity Malone gimmick and going mad with power. So yeah, suppose. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure it wasn't listen to what anybody else had to say. I went with my decision on things. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know. So yeah, and I think there was a couple of ones that were dead heats. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So uh, join in the fun. Uh, at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter, we'll be starting to post those in the lead up to recording for that, which is also a mental note for the two of us to actually fucking do some work on that. Uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> um, Research. <laughs> yeah. But um, as we we get into this show, Lee, I, I suppose, actually, no, do you know what? First, let's just, tradition is tradition. Beers of Thunder, what mm-hmm. do you got? Well, Dave, uh,
1: it's now... And as I look at the screen, 20 past 10 at night. So, of course, I'm drinking some Black Pits. Good stuff. I got some Teeling's Black Pits here beside me. And, Uh, uh, yeah, it's really nice. I just have a little splash of lime mixed in with it just mm -hmm. to kind of take the edge off a little bit. I also went big. um, So,
0: yeah, it is our end of 1998 celebration. And for many reasons, we need to have the hooch beside us during this show for reasons worth celebrating and worth commiserating. Um, And I have gone with when I say "Lee," I have gone for a large whiskey and Coke. Allow me to demonstrate by showing you on the Zoom screen here. (laughs) My God, that's a point loss. Yes, that is a point loss. <laughs> I am not going to disclose to you the measurements uh, that were involved. They were liberal, uh, and it's my it's shall, my. Shall we? Shall we call them some uh, Scott Hall measurements? But you're going to say, "Shall we call the ambulance now?" <laughs> so maybe. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's worth it's, it's worth celebrating. It's worth uh, imbibing. So I took out the uh, the Jemison Distillery edition again, and I'm going with that in with my my mm-hmm. Pepsi Max, maximum taste, zero sugar. You know how I roll. <laughs> um, not quite the Coke Z this week. Sorry, Joe Lanza. Uh, but the Pepsi Max is what I had on hand. But um, look, let's let's get into this. And before we we talk about the show itself, Lee, um, a brief reflection on on two and a half years of podcasting. <laughs> we'll talk about 1998, the content of 1998 Thunder as a whole Uh mm. on the Thundies show. I think that's the most appropriate venue for it. But like seeing as this, this marks essentially
1: two, like just shy of two and a half. It, really, I'm actually just looking at the date on the laptop in front of me. It really is just shy of two and a half. Like we, yep. we announced the podcast on Christmas Day on christmas day 2018 2018 yeah, yeah. and then re- recorded the first week of 2019 oh so it really is two and a half years yeah jesus christ something i'd really
0: like to hear from the thunder buddies uh we might kind of solicit some feedback and some thoughts on the show and on 1998 coming into the thundies it might be nice to get it together but mm-hmm. i'd love to hear who amongst our listenership who's been here since the beginning and who has hopped on since and where they hopped on and where they heard of us and what
1: psychopaths have listened to us constantly to get up to date with us yeah, <laughs> because we have
0: we have we've we've now we've spanned the like we definitely have people who we see in the replies all the time. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate every Thunder buddy equally. Yes. No matter what, we're not saying that the people who have been here since the beginning are are, are in, a, in a special club or anything like that necessarily. <laughs> but we, we do love you all. But there are definitely people we see in the replies, Lee, that we've seen since episode one. Oh, yeah. And there are people we see tagging us in tweets saying that they've just found the show recently and they've binged everything. Um, and they are insane yeah and (laughs) we love them and we found people who kind of dip in and out for big shows or only find us when the big shows are on Mm -hmm. and then catch up um yeah. And then we have people who are the the kind of the real kind of I salute you, you are so hardcore, are the people who watch the WCW show. That's the goodness. one that blows my mind, yeah. is people watching the show and then listening to the podcast talking about the show. And that's what I do with some of my favorite like movie mm-hmm. and, and and wrestling podcasts and, and things like that. Um so to consider us in that kind of company that we're a podcast, people want to do that with is like, it's a real privilege.
1: Oh, it's, hum- it's properly humbling. Like, um, just to bring me bring back to kind of like to myself, like Jen's favorite ever shows is uh, One Tree Hill. And a couple of the actresses from that are starting their own podcast where they're going to go chronologically through the, the episodes And like, she is so excited about this, like, and Jen's not a big podcast person, like she wouldn't be the way we would be. And um, I was like, do you know what? It's actually mad to think that people do that alongside with us, where they will watch an episode and listen to us talk about that episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's really
0: cool. It's something that like, like I said, I've
1: done for years
0: with different Mm -hmm. podcasts and yeah, just to think, like, when we started this, I think, you know, we're both guys who really enjoy the 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 highs and the lows of WCW in different ways. And I, I think more so than looking to tap into uh, a, 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 a demand people had out there that people might want to listen, I think at first it was just an excuse for us to talk to each other more.
1: Well, yeah, that, that was one part of it. Yeah. Oh, well, outrageous
0: success must have been on your agenda. But... <laughs>
1: Look, listen. As we keep saying, we are open to being co-opted, co-opted by anyone, anyone, Any, absolutely anyone. Um,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, like, it, yeah, it, it's just always been surprising to to hear. Like, I, I always figured a few people would listen, but I, you know, we've we've grown and grown and grown, and obviously, a huge thanks as well to all our friends at at the PWOM network mm-hmm. as well who have been so supportive of us since we joined, I think five episodes in. And, God, yeah, it was really early. Yeah. Yeah. It was really early doors. And, um, you know, between helping us out with like how to post shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. God, God bless Tom from the, the military yeah. industrial suplex who gets, uh, emails from me outrageous times whenever the thing spits itself out of audacity ready to go and gets my garbled show notes that he has then put up and scheduled for me um so th- thanks to him and thanks to pretty much everybody on the network um has given us a shout out at some point yep. on their show um Obviously, Jeff and Chris, big, big buddies since since like mm-hmm. right when we started on there, but they're not the only ones who have mentioned us, you know, the, the lads on Through the Years and everywhere else, you know, I've heard uh, plugs for us going on, which has definitely helped bring people in our direction. Long may that continue. And we will also always be happy to do the same and point people towards the, the quality content uh, that our stable mates produce. Um, but without further ado, my friend. Here we go. I can't believe, I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud. Starcade 1998 dated December 27th, 1998 coming to you from Washington DC. The final WCW show we will be covering in 1998. There is a sneaky Nitro that happens before the end of the year, but uh we will not obviously be covering that. We have a very mm-hmm. We have very important nitro coming up soon that we will be covering. I do you know, do you know what it's it's funny
1: we should say that because before I watched this show the night before I watched it, I was like, oh, will I will just put on the nitro before. Like and uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't. I have to stay true to the true to the show. I cannot watch Nitro yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I've sometimes gone back afterwards, you know, when mm. I've seen a cool segment, like when we saw the uh the bam bam stuff. Yeah, it definitely yeah. went back and Watch that segment, but yeah, I, I usually try to stick to the gimmick as well, uh, as much as I can. But uh, here we go. We get a, a big old Goldberg video package, is the first thing we see, and we are live in DC. As Tony says, uh, not to put the stakes too highly, but he says the fate of the WCW NWO and the WCW title will be decided tonight. And upon reflection, Lee, in in many ways, the future of the WCW, NWO, and the title itself are decided quite definitively tonight.
1: It's, I mean, quite an inauspicious statement to make at the start of this show Mm. because of how true that statement will become. Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh,
0: we have Tony, Brain, and Tanay on commentary tonight, and they are in formal mode. Um, Mm -hmm. all suited and booted. And I got to tell you, it's something I used to love growing up watching either WCW or WWF as well, that for the WrestleManias, the Starcades, even the commentators are decked out to the nines. It makes it feel like a big deal. Do
1: you know, like I'm a big proponent of the commentators on Monday Night Raw or Monday Night Nitro or SmackDown or Thunder, whatever it may be, they should be dressed... this should look well but i always think like a polo t-shirt something like smart casual smart casual that's the exact term i was stretching for Um, that's the way they should be they should look presentable but not be too over the top
0: yeah
1: i mean maybe once every couple of weeks one of them could be there in a in a suit like a a, a nice suit Hmm. but when it comes to pay-per-views and the big pay-per-views yep that is your time to take things step things up a bit like you see with boxing like big boxing pay-per-views yeah all the commentators are doing their 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 tuxedos yeah and it really makes things feel different and again that that's something that in modern wrestling is missing a lot it's yeah. making things feel different from each other yeah
0: I don't think like in this period, I don't think like, so if they're wearing their normal, cause they like, to be fair to the WCW commentators, they're not normally dressed like shite. There's normally, like you said, a smart casual or higher mm-hmm. dress code amongst them. Um, so I don't think if they were wearing, like if they weren't wearing, essentially they looked like they were going to a black tie gala here. Yeah, And it, like if they'd been dressed a little bit down from that, like I don't think it would have taken away, but the fact mm-hmm. they were so dressed up definitely adds to the sense yeah. of occasion. Um like like
1: Bob Bobby normally has like either it's an outrageous tie or an outrageous short or an outrageous yeah. jacket. But the fact that he's even on brand tonight with the black, just nice black and white took um, like you say, formal outfit. Yeah. Really adds to it.
0: I, I think that, um yeah, it's one of the things Because I was a little bit And I know this is true of WCW But I was a little bit disappointed at the set Like I love the logo and everything like that mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like th- I think we're so conditioned now To like the big Wrestlemania sets And stuff like that Even though that Like during this period wasn't really a thing Like you think about the Wrestlemania 14 set Wasn't special at all it was mm-hmm. just a, roughly the same set they were using a lot that year. Yeah. Um, and same with like 15 next year is just a big XV. So like, it's not at the time the big ostentatious stages aren't a thing, but it's still a little bit like, oh, come on. I think that the time I noticed it the most was when I realized like how lackluster the generic uh, video graphics were for everybody's entrances <laughs> where it was just like scraps of paper on
1: white noise. Like I I have a point to make about that. Yeah, go on. So when you know Ray, who you know for the opening match, Truvy and Ray come out first, and they get like I think Ray gets a, like a shitload of pyro and mm. stuff like this, and then I don't know whether I was taking notes or whatever, but when I look up, Kidman's coming out, and it's just the white noise and a little bit of shredded paper going up and down, <laughs> and I'm going, this is the best, most on brand. Entrance video for a rest that you could ever have. Yeah. I was like, I love this. And then if, the next match comes out and has it. And I was like,
0: ah, yeah. damn it. If it had been that once, it would have felt like, do you remember um, the, uh, the Orange Cassidy entrance against Pac, where he even had the lackluster pyro? Yeah. It just kind of like farted out. <laughs> like, that would have been amazing.
1: Yeah. No, um, I, I thought it would just fit perfectly for Kidman coming out of yeah. the. Yeah. Uh, I was so disappointed that everyone had it for
0: the rest of the show. So they said tonight the dream match becomes a reality in the main event. We've also got Flair versus Bischoff. A little bit of uh, running story throughout the night. Uh, We hear that Eric has demanded every horseman must be banned from the building if the match is to go ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's worth bearing that in mind. Before we get into the action, though, uh, we have a couple of segments here. The first is a promo for a WCW special on QVC. (laughs) I need tape of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would watch this. 2 hours, yeah, let's a, go. A
0: 2 hour like is it like the the ad is very non-specific and makes it sound like it's an actual wrestling show on QVC but it sounds like what it's actually going to be is like them hawking shit for two rem- hours with the QVC hosts.
1: Do you remember Don West used to do this on Shop TNA? Where yeah. Where you just go live for like half an hour or an hour or whatever and just yeah. give away shit. Like that? that's basically what it is. It's like, you know, oh, Raven has a new t-shirt. For the yeah. next 10 minutes, it's only fifteen ninety nine. 99 yeah uh, for uh,
0: speaking of by the way best wishes and get well soon to to don west oh yes. he's, he's quite ill at the moment mm-hmm. and there's a GoFundMe me that may I, we will try and find and retweetly before yeah. the show comes out um just to help uh fund his medical costs because yeah what a top man oh, i think God, so, like... some somebody hit the nail on the head it was probably uh a friend of the show Gary kidney uh but somebody's like he's probably the only shouty commentator in history in wrestling that isn't annoying that like his yeah. his loudness and enthusiasm actually brought up the quality of the product.
1: It worked for him. It was yeah. the Don West way, and yeah, God, absolutely. Um, best wishes to Don and his family, and hopefully he comes through this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we will absolutely retweet the uh, GoFundMe.
0: I uh, I actually heard that he was still he might still be doing it unless he's taking a leave for his treatment, but uh, he was still doing like sports radio and a big long. Sp- a uh, radio show where, wherever he lives. And I was like, what a man. You just, you just mm-hmm. can't, you can't keep the man down. Nah. What, what a, what a gent. But um, yeah, I, I to cut long story short guys. I need this tape of the WCW guys on QVC. If anybody can get that to me, I would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was roaring at the likes of Brett and Scott Steiner having to act enthusiastic about this QVC special. <laughs> When they could not have picked two men that gave less of a shit.
1: I was just gonna say, do you think Brad gives any amount of fucks about how many fucking badges he sells on QVC? No. Do you do you
0: think that uh, that that Scott Steiner can even spell QVC?
1: Who knows? Here he comes. There <laughs> he is. Straight in. Oh god. Uh, at least just now Mike us this week.
0: Oh no, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we get another segment before the first match, which is me and Gene, and he's got more news on the banning. He said that <laughs> in spite of the fact that this is my favorite, my god, you talk about uh the endearing presence of one Steve Mongo McMichael. The the storyline here is that all the horsemen were told and later on were told that flair even sat the horseman down and said, you know, don't bother coming. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So Mongo knew he was banned from the building, still showed up and got hauled out by security. <laughs> Makes sense. I want that backstage segment that I was really hoping they'd show it and they didn't really, really sad. Um then, of course, me and Gene segues into a lengthy plug for the hotline. It's like there are some, uh, was
1: it some current Famili- or familiar faces. faces or something like that? You want to find out who
0: it is and why they're here. I am like this is just getting shit on by the crowd who are just yeah. like, give us some fucking wrestling already. It's 15 minutes into the show.
1: Well, it's like me and Bob Ryder are backstage
0: with all the goss. Yeah, it's like, um, oh, God, our opening contest is the triangle match for the Cruiserweight title pitting to Guerrero, Ray Mysterio Jr. and uh, Billy Kidman together. Holy shit. Where do you start?
1: Okay. Before the match
0: began, what were your expectations? I thought this was going to be good. But as soon as I saw Ray coming out with his special big event, like boxers ring jacket, I was like, these guys are looking to put on a show tonight. Mm -hmm. And put on a show they did Well, Well, Where where was your excitement level at?
1: I mean, similar to you, when I saw Hoovy and Ray come out with their new gear and Kidman with his new jeans. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no. um, Actually, one thing on Ray's gear I want to point out is if you go back and look to, I want to say, I think it's Starcade 96 where he faces Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. Ray has the exact same gear. Right. Except it's the red, black, and white in different parts. So the white is on a different leg. The red uh-huh. is kind of the the pant part yeah. and the black is the other leg. Whereas this time it's red and white on the legs, so and the back is uh-huh. the pants. Yeah. It's just uh, it's something I noticed. And I was like, that is really cool. And I really hope he did that on purpose. Yeah, a little gear callback there. I like that a lot. Um but yeah, I mean, as soon as this match begins, I was just yep, these are here to work and it kept going and it kept going and they got loads of time and I yeah. was fucking loving
0: it. Yeah,
1: um, Ray in his tremendous ring jacket stomping on the
0: L- LWO shirt was a mm-hmm. nice touch as well on the way out. Um, The the baby faces go at Whovie first. But then you get the moment where Ray and Kidman stand off and they start going at each other. There's a very enjoyable moment in this where Hoovy kind of like is disgusted. He's being left out of the brawl. He goes up and he tries to like hit both of them at the same time. The two of them just look at him and fucking clatter him. <laughs> they just like completely And it gets a huge dead. pop as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this crowd, absolutely. I will say for the good stuff on this show, this crowd were hot. Born on fire, weren't they? Yeah, yeah they like, really what were. What a great crowd. Yeah.
1: Oh, um. No. It makes it
0: like we've been watching the football for the last couple of weeks and it's just I've I, I so much I have gained a new level of appreciation for the live crowd. So that was mm-hmm. something I was definitely keeping an ear on during this. Um,
1: I think it's just after they both deck Hoovy that we get an assisted Bronco Buster. And it's the only time I've ever seen the Bronco Buster actually be an offensive move. Yeah, because Hoovy is about two feet outside of the turnbuckle. And Ray comes at him with such force, his head fucking whiplashes back. Yeah, he just fucking lawn
0: darts himself at him. Um, first. Yeah, we get... um. So we get Ray rolling. It's like Kidman has Ray up on his shoulders and Hoovy is going to go off the top for the doomsday device. Mm-hmm. And then Ray rolls through uh, as Hoovy's flying off the top rope. And Kidman reverses again, stands up and wheelbarrows Ray onto Hoovy, And I was just like, oh, this is fantastic.
1: Like this is this is what they're doing in the opening couple of minutes. Oh my. Um and and, and hey, remember remember that the uh, Doomsday spot because it comes back later in the match. It does indeed. Uh, we have a great double bulldog spot as well.
0: I really mm-hmm. like that Bef- <laughs> before Hoovy then leans into the camera, catches his breath, and says, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got it. Which is yeah, great. I got this. <laughs> yeah um ben hoovey serves up a big old plate of chops uh oh my god this is one of my favorite moves in the whole match lee Uh, and this was like you know and that's quite a like it's quite a competitive list of favorite moves in the match but we have um so ray goes to german suplex hoovey yes and Hoovy does the bit where you over rotate and land on your feet. Mm -hmm. And pretty much the moment his boots touch the canvas, he turns on his heel into a fucking lariat from Kidman.
1: And this, this, I was going to bring this up because the timing on this spot is so fucking perfect. Each of them nail it. Like, and I mean, again, it comes back to this. These three guys have such fucking incredible chemistry together. The treat them like you're not just talking about Ray and Hoovy or Ray and Kidman or Hoovy and Ki- like the treat them together. Mm. I don't think there was one serious flow but in this match. Not that I spotted anyway.
0: If there was anything that was slightly off, it it ended up kind of working, working out. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But yeah, that of all the spot, like apart from one spot that's still to come. That that uh, Larry there. Uh, Reverse load the German into the Lariat is probably my second favorite spot in the match. Mm. Uh, Hoovy hits a big springboard
0: plancha to both men on the outside. Uh, he tries to do another to the inside, but then he eats a double drop kick, which is I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's, that's probably worth reflecting on, Lee. So, normally, three ways, you know, triple threats, three way dances, triangle matches, whatever you want to call them, they follow a very tedious pattern where Mm -hmm. one man one man gets taken out and two men brawl then that man comes back in takes one man out and those two brawl and it just goes on and on until we get to the closing stretch but for the majority of this match all three men were actively involved um, there were a couple of moments of somebody on the outside selling by themselves or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, this wasn't your standard triangle match.
1: Well, I was going to say we must have the same notes because I have the exact same thing written down. <laughs> because, yeah, again, like you just said, it this isn't your normal American triple try match. This, and they come like just said a couple of minutes ago, it's the chemistry between the three of them that it just, it seems so flawless that all three of them are in there together and it just works. Yeah.
0: More awesome stuff inside the ring. Ray hits a hurricanrana to Huvi off the apron onto the floor. My God. Then within seconds, Huvi is back in the ring and takes a hard powerbomb right in the center of the ring. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, man... Hoovy is taking a fucking beating in this match. Yeah,
1: I, I honestly think Kidman tried to kill him with that power bomb. Yeah, the whiplash on us. Scott Scott Norton was backstage, went, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy
0: works snug. Um, Ray hits the most picture-perfect acai moonsault to the outside. Like, yeah, they, he appeared to, like, momentarily freeze in the air.
1: That's like, oh, it was beautiful. Did you know what it You know, Kurt Angle's like slowly rotating Moonsault. That's what it was, except it was yes. a springboard. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is it incredible? Absolutely incredible. Uh, springboard Hurricane Rana to Hoovey, Uh Doesn't go for the cover, which is a mistake because then he mm-hmm. runs into a Hoovi driver, which Kidman just breaks up. Uh, we get a hurricane run out by Ray Tahoovi over the ropes to the outside, and then Kidman hits the shooting star press to the outside on oh. both men. And late like, people are not going to appreciate how impressive this was because we've seen the shooting star press being mm-hmm. done, but when I tell you that there was maybe an. 18 inch margin of error where he could have really fucked himself up. If he went 18 inches further, he was going past the two of them and mm-hmm. creasing himself on the floor. If he went if he dropped 18 inches closer to the ring, he was landing head first on the apron. It was the most perfect positioning for that move he's probably ever hit.
1: Yeah, like uh, I did this is the thing. I don't know I don't know if we've ever I think we talked about this earlier in the show. Kidman's uh, shooting star press isn't very pretty. Mm -mm. You have to remember, Billy Billy Kidman isn't a small guy. Like this, this gets kind of forgotten. He's a a legit tall guy. He doesn't get a lot of elevation going up
0: off it. He usually like, it's like he steps off the rope and Mm -hmm. drops as he's rotating. Yeah. Which is like, like you said, it's not pretty, but in terms of how other people do it, it is a, like a unique way of doing it and it's a miracle he hasn't fucked himself up more times on it.
1: yeah and like i know everyone goes back to that one time he injured uh chavo and they made it a gimmick yeah um but like even going out to the outside he doesn't push away from the ropes as much as you expect him to Yeah. like i, I could swear that his knees or his ankles hit the ring apron that's how close he could have Oh, I I shrieked. It was it was awesome. Oh, I loved it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not downplaying it. I fucking yeah. leapt off my couch watching it. Uh
0: big boos from the crowd, which uh, I was like momentarily disappointed here because it's like the LWO are out, so it's Eddie mm-hmm. and the crowd are very unhappy because the the crowd are really really into it. They're chanting Eddie sucks. Um, in the ring, Kidman has the cover, but the ref is distracted. Eddie close at uh, this look. I really like, you know, as far as I'm very much Mm anti-interference. However, this was kind of clever.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So this this was going to be my hot take. Yeah. (laughs) This is the ref is distracted. Eddie clotheslines Kidman, which reverses the pin because they're rolled up. So it, Mm -hmm. it reverses the pin. So uh, so then it's, yeah, it's Whovie
1: is pinning Kidman now. So it it was like initially a sunset flip. Yes. And Eddie clotheslines Kidman. So now Kidman is lying flat and Whovie has him pinned on his shoulders. Yeah. But seeing this ultimate baby face,
0: Ray can't stand this injustice. So he does a huge running dropkick to Whovie, which reverses it again. But he like expends the last bit of his energy doing it. Mm -hmm. And... The pin is reversed again and Kidman wins. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, the extra added touch that Eddie already had his back turned celebrating. Hoobie's he just hears win. the tree count. Yeah. Yeah. So he's delighted and then he's absolutely incensed once he realizes what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie gets in the ring and he completely dresses down Whovie and Ray he says they're not LWO material. He shoves Whovie down to the ground um mm-hmm. says he wants what's best and all they do is fight against him he says he has to do it himself and challenges Kidman tonight, Kidman emerges from the back, still covered in sweat and out of breath and says no time like the present, Eddie says he has to go and change and prepare mentally but Kidman keeps calling him a coward and a sissy if he won't fight right now, <laughs> so I guess we have a match and you know what I was absolutely fine with
1: that yeah, I mean fucking, if Kidman's able, let's go Yeah, an Eddie Guerrero yeah. match unannounced I'll take that. Yeah. So second match on the card, Kidman
0: versus Eddie for the belt. Uh, Eddie jumps Kidman at the bell. You know, the, the, the old story of the, the fresh man attempting mm-hmm. to end a quick big moves, pin attempts over and over, uh, I liked Hoovy attempting to give Eddie the assist while applying a stretch, uh, but Ray is still out there and he thwarts him twice and because he keeps fucking up trying to help him, Eddie dresses down Hoovy again. And I love that Hoovy has put on Eddie's leather jacket. Yeah, yeah, to be a team player. Yeah. Um, Eddie turns around from his uh, admonishment of Hoovy into a head scissors, but then he delivers what can only be described Lee, as a thunderous chop. <laughs>
1: and I mean if you were in any way not paying attention when you heard this chop you were paying attention (laughs) yeah
0: this would Walter would wince at this Mm -hmm. like this was oh my god
1: um Kidman Uh, actually I was just gonna say a point on that is it just me or does Eddie look fucking yoked at this point
0: oh my god he is like like he's about to burst
1: mm-hmm yeah he is enormous i don't know i don't know whether it's the fact of the t-shirt complimenting yeah his body shape or it's just he's been hitting the but yeah. he just looks ripped and fucking huge yeah it's scary um mm-hmm.
0: kidman valiantly tries to fire up but eddie takes out his leg and puts him in another hold Uh, They go to the outside and Eddie gets whipped into the fence. Uh, Kidman finally getting the better of Eddie for a little bit and showing some resilience. He gets a sleeper half on but Eddie sits out into a jawbreaker. And I love uh, Heenan kind of putting Kidman over going, look, you know, this wouldn't normally get him, but he hadn't quite locked in the sleeper when Eddie dropped him with the jawbreaker. So he's putting over Kidman knowing what to do in the situation, but mm-hmm. uh, Eddie being the wily uh, ring general that he is. Um, Eddie uses the, his boot on Kidman, hits a brain. I, I, bust, I, brain. I, I
1: actually, I love to build up to that. Oh, where they, with the commentary talking about it. No, Eddie plays rope it up. Eddie lures Kidman into the corner and he's like, tell him, he's like, come on, come on, fire. And you actually hear him going, come on, fire up. Mm. And Kidman kind of launches into it a bit and he, you know, throws him to the other corner. And yeah. as he's kind of coming off, Eddie is loosening his boot and kind of pushes him away, gets the boot off. And then as he's rushing in again, he nails him. And it's just like, it's so clever It's such a little spot It's like It gets an earful it Is And it doesn't play Into the rest of the match But it's just So fucking
0: It's brilliant Genuine It's a very specific thing To say Lee But has there ever In the history Of professional wrestling Been anyone Who is consistently better At working foreign objects Into matches Than Eddie Oh god uh, New Jack. Yeah <laughs> uh, what? Yeah well <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you want to describe as a match, I guess. Yeah,
1: I suppose. But no, um, honestly, probably not, because again, everything he does, he like like he makes sense of it, he makes gives it a purpose. It's yeah. there for a reason.
0: That's it's something like, as well as just being great at executing everything in the ring, the thing you come away from Eddie Guerrero matches feeling is like that man meticulously thinks about everything mm-hmm. there there is nothing he does that is for no reason there is nothing that he does in the ring that's wasted he knows exactly what he wants to do at
1: all times and it's why he's one of the greatest to ever do it and while, while we're busy putting him over i just want to point out that i have a eddie Guerrero shirt on right oh now. good stuff <laughs> well i got no i got nothing wrestling related on <laughs> I did. I was earlier
0: on wearing my uh, Rod Little. He ran away and left his wife for a young one t-shirt. <laughs> very niche. Yeah, very, very niche. <laughs> Shout out Eamon Dunphy. Um, so anyway, uh, Eddie uses the boot on Kidman, as, as you described so eloquently, my friend. Uh, hits a brain buster, but before he can hit the frog splash, Kidman is back up and hits a lovely superplex on him. Uh, Eddie then starts working the leg on Kidman. Kidman rallies again, loads of stomping on Eddie, hits a springboard leg drop, uh, goes for the top rope, Hurricane but blocked. I've said it many times before. My favorite block of a Hurricane Rana is always the hold the top, top ropes, rope you yeah. fall arse over tea kettle, always gets a pop for me. Kidman back up tenaciously, he knocks Eddie down. Um, I think again, right, you want to talk about. Interference finishes that didn't really bother me because mm-hmm. I think they were done very well. So see if you can follow this because it took... Like, I'm trying to describe this, but it comes off a lot better when you watch it. Um, So, yeah, Kidman is back up. He knocks Eddie down. Hoovy crotches Kidman. And as he's doing this, Ray is getting up to try and stop Hoovy. So Eddie tries again uh on Kidman. But this time, Ray shoves him off onto the ropes and in doing so also knocks Hoovy off the apron. Mm -hmm. Eddie falls to the ground in perfect position, shooting star press and Kidman is your winner again. Um, Lee, taken as a whole, I I think you kind of have to take these as kind of... uh, two halves of the same enormous segment kind of like we did with the the Booker match way back yeah. when when he did double duty and uh, mm-hmm. it was Spring Stampede
1: Uh or no that was it was uh Slamboree no the second show of the year what um, Super Bowl
0: Super Bowl that was it yes, yes my apologies Um yeah what did you think
1: of this whole opening salvo for the paper? Uh, I mean right the show goes eight minutes before it gets into any wrestling. You get all the talking about the announcers and Mean Gene and all that kind of stuff. But you want to talk about opening a show hot. Like, if you take away, say, five minutes, say three minutes, the show goes, then it comes into this match. I don't think you could open a pay-per-view in 1998 better than this, these two matches back-to-back.
0: Yeah.
1: Honestly, like, I was blown away by Billy Kidman's performance on the night. I thought Hoovy was phenomenal in everything he did, like even the cheerleader bit outside during the Eddie match. I thought he was great. Um, Ray, as you said earlier on, is just the ultimate babyface in everything he does, mm-hmm. and what he becomes in nineteen ninety nine is such a fucking waste. When you see him this late in nineteen ninety eight, being such a fucking white me babyface, ready to be so something much bigger than he is at this point. um. But it all comes back to Eddie Guerrero is probably the best deal in this company.
0: Yeah. I am. Um, yeah. Eddie is phenomenal. I, it's something that just every time we see him now, the the change in my perception of Whovie across 1998, mm-hmm. where every time we saw him, we used to worry because the chemistry just wasn't happening. Yeah. He seemed a step behind and he seemed like something was going to go wrong and someone was going to get hurt in a match. And all of a sudden, I think, know, I think I think, we said it was around spring stampede time, maybe April, May time. Yeah, things just started to click. And obviously he was being put in with the right people that complimented mm-hmm. him as well. There was a little bit of thought being put into what he was doing. And, you know, obviously two of the absolute greatest of all time in, in Ray and Eddie, it's going to be hard to not have a good match there, but I I really feel like we shouldn't look at who as the other guy in, in the, in these two matches. He was incredible. It was, it was was going to be great as well. Yeah.
1: It was going to be one of my big takeaways for the Tundis is that honestly, I think one of the best parts of the under show has been, I don't want to say discovering Hoovy because I've always known who he is. Yeah. But reevaluating Hoovy and realizing that, like he really was one of the top workers in this company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like honestly, more people should be going back and watching just what he did as a TV wrestler. Yeah. There probably wasn't many better than him in WCW in 1998.
0: No, I I wouldn't argue that with you at all. He and it might be actually it'd be interesting. Maybe one of the categories we'll put in, um, is something like a most improved, or mm-hmm. you know the the you know the wrestler that we, uh, reappraised the most dramatically yeah. over the year, um, and he would definitely be in the running for it. Um, just a phenomenal segment. Like you text me during this, and like I you know I I don't ever consider you to be somebody who's hyperbolic, but you text me and said, like, we're 20 minutes in or something, and this is the best WCW show we've ever covered. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm getting a little bit excited, but surely, like, he's getting carried away there. But you know what? This was unbelievable. I-
1: Honestly, I think by... I want to say it was 20 minutes, <laughs> like, 15 minutes into the match. Mm. And I was like, this is... I like I say I, I was leaping up and down a couple of times on my couch watching it because I know we say like when when a good match is going on we tend to kind of back away and say right I'm not taking any notes I just want to sit back and enjoy this yeah as this match was going on I was taking notes and never taking my eyes off the screen and I was just transfixed because it was. Like I said, coming in, I was just thinking, oh, God, triangle match. It's going to be, you know, one of them outside the ring. they two are going to do a few bits, blah, 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 blah. No, like, honestly, this whole segment for, I want I want to say it went about 25 minutes in total in the show. All right, yeah. And like I say, I don't think you
0: could do any better than this to open a show. No. It's the it's the perfect thing. Like maybe the only criticism you could have of it is that it sets the bar uh to a height that maybe
1: could not be and matched. Possibly. But we haven't talked about the spot. The don't stay her grandma. Uh please, please, uh with your dulcet tones, paint us a word picture. <laughs> I mean you mentioned it early in the match. Kidman gets Ray on his shoulders, and it looks like Hoovy is setting up to do like a an LOD style Doomsday uh, device clothesline. Mm-hmm. Instead, Hoovy goes with the crossbody. Ray ducks down. Uh, Kidman does the wheelbarrow onto the prone Hoovy, and again they go for the same spot. I want to say five or six minutes later, Ray is up on Kidman's shoulders. Hoovy is primed on the apron, unbeknown to Kidman and Ray. And Hoovy leaps into a springboard, Hurricane Rana, onto Ray Mysterio, lands it perfectly. And I think you need, like, this is a move that we will all have seen executed 100 times at this stage in 2021. Mm-hmm. Never have I seen the move done as smoothly as perfectly, the timing, as we said on the German uh, suplex lariat spot, the timing involved is so flawless. Mm. And I leapt off my couch because in 1998, you were not seeing in American wrestling cruiserweights or heavyweights or anybody do moves that convoluted on American pay-per-view, yeah, that that convoluted, but that don't feel
0: like you know that it's being set up for an eternity or that no. it was sloppy or anything like that. It just felt like the easiest thing in the world for them. It was mind blowing. Like,
1: like I say, like Kidman picked Ray up on his shoulders, turned around into a hurricane. Ran. It just happened, yeah. yeah, and that's what got me,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, God, this was so good. I just want to like, I just want to stay and stew in this match for a while longer. But sadly, the show must go on, my friend. Because oh, oh, oh,
1: next we got an In Memoriam piece.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, an operatic In Memoriam video package for the main event. Who knew that both men had died
1: since the start of the show? Um, the w- <laughs> you, do you remember uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy in The Simpsons? yeah. yeah yeah where he's in the clouds like Mufasa (laughs) yeah that is exactly what I thought of
0: the thing that made me absolutely die laughing is that obviously it's like so it's 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 clouds and behind it is kind of like the faint images from like Nitro or Thunder Mm -hmm. or wherever they're pulling stuff from and at one point, it obviously must be like a match graphic or uh, like a picture of his entrance video that they they put up. But did you notice that briefly illuminating the clouds was just the word sexy? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> I uh.
0: popped out of my shoes. It was I like in the middle of like, what the fuck is this video package? Just said sexy. I was just, I was in bits. I was in absolute bits. Biggest old year. Yeah. Speaking of bits, a man who uh, puts bits together from flat packs, Prince Ikea. Uh, take it. That was not my smoothest segue of all time. Lee's shaking no. his head. Uh, versus Norman Smiley. Uh, Norman wiggling away to fans during his entrance. Um, They mention uh, during the entrance for this that, uh, Page facing Giant later is his biggest challenge yet. Unbelievably, Lee, when they said this, I looked up. I was like, "That's bollocks." They've definitely wrestled each other a hundred times. This is their first televised singles match. Wow. Okay. So they've wrestled a couple of dark matches, and there was like uh, when Page was U.S. champion, they had a dark match after Nitro for the belt, and there was like some WCW. It says WCW. TV event or something like that Mm -hmm. uh, that they wrestled each other on. But like, it doesn't seem to be a nitro or a thunder or a Saturday night either. So I don't know, but uh, definitely in a major sense, it's their first uh, singles match. So well
1: well done WCW for keeping two people apart for two and a half years, almost guaranteed to be by accident. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, (laughs) So an indication that this will not be like the first two matches. Is the commentary is immediately tuned out, and they're oh, yeah, talking the, about the flair and stuff. Yeah, the whole the whole match. Yeah, they don't really give a fuck about this, and you know what?
1: Neither do I. Well, well, Dave. If the commentators don't give a fuck about this, and the fans quite clearly don't give a fuck about this. Oh my god!
0: People were praying for time travel so that they get so that they could go into the future and get
1: phones they could look mm-hmm. at during this, and we quite clearly do not give a fuck about this I have one question for you Dave what? why did this need to be on the show
0: it did not give me five more minutes of the the, the Eddie Kidman match like for
1: fuck's sake actually yeah. that that's one thing I need to point out that I forgot to mention Eddie Guerrero wrestled half a match in one boot yeah <laughs> and was still better than 90% of the wrestlers on the show. Legend. Legend. Tony, during this match, keeps calling Norman Smiley,
0: Norman Smiley. I no, 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 no.
1: Get, get it right. It's Norman Smiley. Oh,
0: Norman Smiley. Yeah, that's... I mm, don't know how I feel about that. That
1: that, that becomes a thing. That that yeah. was a thing for a while. Yeah. It, it reminds he's me very
0: much of, uh, you know, film critic uh, Mark Kermode. mm when he's doing his uh, his podcasts or his on ra- his radio show with Simon Mayo, which is very enjoyable if you're into films, um, he consistently refers to Kenneth Bra- uh, Kenneth Branagh as Kenneth Branagh <laughs> <laughs> in a way that I think like has been going on for so long now. I think he just does it to pop himself. But yeah, yeah that's very much what this reminded me. of. It's gone past the point guy. of being
1: annoying that it's now just a thing.
0: It's just a thing he does. Yeah. Um, so most of the match is Smiley running the show and wiggling uh, big boring chant can't oh, say I disagree big fucking boring chant my now, god the one little bit of sympathy I have like, is that after the first two matches they were clearly just sent out to die oh yeah this, this match like this was there was no bones about it and I think the two lads knew there was nothing they were going to be capable of particularly Prince IKEA, <laughs> that was going to get the crowd Anything like as up as they were for the last match, they needed to be brought down before anything interesting happened. But unfortunately, this 30 40 minutes where they really brought the show to mm-hmm. a screeching
1: halt nearly brought me to a fucking screeching halt. Yeah. Um, my biggest takeaway from this is that uh, Zach Sabre Jr. is obviously a big Norman Smiley fan because let well, me tell you, Norman Smiley, not tweet either. ooh
0: tell you, I tell you, oof. It's getting spicy tonight
1: on the podcast. He's not even finished that point of whiskey yet. <laughs>
0: um,
1: no, <laughs> that wasn't my point. <laughs> I was going to say, he just eats up Prince Ikea in this match. Yeah, He does not give him a moment on offense. He just is stretching him yeah. and stretching him and stretching him. And yeah, that's fine. But not on a fucking pay-per-view in 1998. Shall I read to
0: you, Lee, the entirety of my notes for this match? Go for it. I wrote, I'll be honest. I completely tuned out of this and ate some leftover cake. It was lemon drizzle cake and it was lovely. Very light and extremely fluffy. Oh yeah, Norman Smiley won. Those are my notes. How would you rate the cake? What? How would you rate the cake? Oh, the cake is getting a good four and a half stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I go 4.75. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was it was really, really nice. Oh,
1: Was this one of your farmer's market? Uh, cakes? Yes.
0: Yes. So there was a woman who was uh, raising funds for uh, my work and I was going down to drop down the money boxes <laughs> Um, and she was like, oh, while you're here, you know, you might as well have some cakes on the house. And I was like, mm-hmm, don't mind if I do.
1: Oh, it was free cake.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, like I took a couple of free and then like out of guilt, I went and bought a load more. Do you know what I mean? Which is a mistake because then they had to be eaten, you know. Oh, they have to be. uh, It's the best kind of mistake, I guess. So like over the course of a couple of days, there was like, so this was the lemon drizzle, which was probably the peak. Uh, There was some Oreo cheesecake, which I had. Which was oh, big
1: big fan of an Oreo cheesecake.
0: Delicious, and it was one of the ones where there's Oreo bits running through the the, the cream mm. cheese in it. Yeah, so love that. Um, and I think there was some mashed into the biscuit base as well. And I oh think God, it, God yeah, come it was, on! Oh, it was proper, proper. That's good. just
1: that's just indulgent.
0: There was a key lime cheesecake, which Emma had, and she gave quite a good review to. Um, a good review that there was none of the cake left for me to try um there was a couple of cupcakes and then there was these kind of like they were clearly the kind of these are for kids desserts where it's like yeah the little wafer cups that kids get the small ice creams in oh yeah yeah. but it was full it was full of marshmallows melted chocolate with a few sprinkles on top um i mean you say they're for kids i mean i think they're for everybody then. nominally for kids um yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what can you do the cupcakes were good I, I had one of them Toby had the other one it was a good time <laughs> everybody had some cake and uh Norman Smiley won
1: oh, cool and then uh, Scott Hall came out
0: yeah he did he came out in an outsider's shirt which I mean fucking tip your hat there mate um The most memorable thing about this whole segment was there was some person who, you know, I like to be kind to people on this show and I like to try and understand when I see bizarre things in the crowd where these people must be coming from. Yeah, except you. Yeah, yeah. But you're like a shite bag anyway, so Uh, (laughs) you're one of history's greatest monsters, as I've said before. Uh, (laughs) I try to understand where people are coming from when I see them on my television in 1998, but nothing will ever get me to comprehend a human being who came to WCW Starcade 1998 with a giant NWO MasterCard that was like the size of one of those publishers' clearinghouse novelty checks that like they seemed to almost be toppling over trying to hold it up. Um, just proud as punch holding it. I was just like, I. I've never been the person to bring a sign to a wrestling show I've never brought no. a sign once but I can understand like if you're kind of like super into it you might want to bring something like that in the way that football fans might bring streamers or um, flares or something like that I understand that it's part of that kind of culture but even within that subset I cannot understand a giant
1: MasterCard <laughs> the The one that gets me is the, the people that bring the big heads of like Dave LaGreca and fucking those busted open assholes.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, didn't, didn't someone bring a giant John Pollock
1: head once? I, I mean, that, that's fine. I like yeah. John and Murray, So yeah let, yeah, let John and Way slide. But, yeah. uh, those busted open dorks now. yeah, No, like, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. But, yeah, no, the, the guy with the MasterCard is just like... I mean, one, it's obviously a plant. Yeah. But two,
0: why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, not for all the fucking merch that they would probably because they're not going to give you money. They're they're just going to offer you a tat that's left
1: over at the merch sta- stand. It's like, and here, now, hold this up and we will find you on camera. No. How will you find me? Oh, I think we'll find a way. Not for all the gold in the world would I
0: immortalize myself in history doing something so cringy. But anyway, um Scott Hall, he says 1998 wasn't his year, to say the least. He lost everything he cared about. Later tonight, a guy that everyone still sees as his big brother, Kevin Nash, is in the main event. He said
1: they used to boos, talk... Uh, we should say a few booze at the mention of Nash.
0: Yes. Um, he said they used to travel the road together all the time and they talked about how one day one of them would become the main man.
1: <laughs> Which... I thought there was only one man.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, the main man.
1: <laughs> I think the other man might take uh, exception to him. Oh, main man yeah. Mang oh, Mang.
0: What has there ever been a promo where he calls him Mang Mang? Because I want that promo.
1: Yeah, I mean it would have to have been the early fucking invader yeah. Scott Hall, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean I mean there was an outsider's faces of fear feud. But I don't god, I don't think
0: he I don't think surely, you have called call him Meng Meng. Surely if he did, that's something that would be immortalized and well-known. Oh yeah, it would people. have to have
1: been clipped at this stage.
0: Unless it's been scrubbed off the internet like the, um like the immortal uh Terry Funk Satchel-ass promo.
1: Has that been scrubbed?
0: No, so right, yeah. Right, right. I don't know if anybody's ever heard this, right? Uh, like, I've... I, Lots of people who are our friends and stuff and who have been around, particularly the F4W board, where this became like the Bret Hart, Tom McGee of promos. So WWE.com got uh, overhauled about 10 years ago and loads of their digital content from the the period where Joey Styles was running the website just got completely trashed. Mm -hmm. Never to be seen again. And for the most part, no one really cared or the like for the most part as well, a load of the stuff that, um, a load of the stuff that people wanted to keep uh, got kept already. Like the Michelle McCool, I'm and life promo. Yeah. <laughs> which are also Im- immortal. <laughs> um, But there was a promo and I, it must've been during the 2006, like around the time of one night stand. two, yeah, yeah. When, when Funk and Foley were feuding again. And, uh, Funk cut this promo about how his daddy always told him never trust a man whose ass is wider than his shoulders and <laughs> <laughs> that that fits Mick Foley and then proceeds to scream satchel ass incredibly loud and incredibly grazing over and over again and so there are clips of the promo that exist in audio form but the video version of the promo gone from the website and has never resurfaced like no one seems to have saved it oh wow yeah and it's like it's now that Bret Hart versus Tom McGee has been found it is one of the like the real lost treasures of wrestling media and you know it's like sitting on a server somewhere in Stanford yeah or somebody you know with like real player downloader 10 years ago has it somewhere and doesn't realize people want it Um, so hopefully someday it it comes out because my god what a fabulous man Terry Funk is (laughs)
1: All Terry Funk promos should be preserved
0: uh, Yeah, and, and shown to people over as, yes. as, as matters of historical record Can you tell how bad the, this part of the show is? That we're just going completely off piece. Oh, we have listen, bake sales and Terry Funk
1: and satchel asses we, we, we don't need to explain ourselves yeah, i tell you
0: what, you go to that bake sale every weekend
1: You'll end up with a satchel ass, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Listen, we, we talk about this at the start of the show People are watching along these shows with us. They listen. They know what they're getting into here. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. Um. So, yeah, one of them will become the main
0: man. That's how we got on to Terry Funk was the main man. And Terry Funk, to me, is yeah. the main man. Yeah. Um, he said he hasn't got anything to prove to Nash or to the fans just to himself. And he guarantees that 1999 will be his year. Um. Ed- Editors know. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we need Ron Howard coming in here saying, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> um, Job had to not, not deliver the letter.
1: <laughs> um, oh, did, did you see the, the uh, picture that Carl Anka put up earlier on? No. Of uh, Luis Enrique on a, oh, what, a Segway? Yeah. And he said, real gob go- go- uh, energy. Oh, my God. And you had a picture of them next to each other. Excellent. Excellent oh, stuff. Carl is pumping out the content. I was just going to say, for the last three weeks, Carl Anka has been the best follow on Twitter.
0: Anybody who likes an intersection of uh, soccer, pro wrestling, and weird pop culture
1: references, uh, Carl Anka is the man to follow from The Athletic. Oh, what what was his tweet after the uh, England-Scotland game? There hasn't been a worse Kane performance than that since... Uh, Crown Jewel. Super Showdown, or Crown Jewel, was it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible uh, incredible
0: um right yeah then we get a a video package for that uh three way that had happened between Goldberg Bam bam and Nash and holy shit like it's it, it feels like a rib on us at this point Lee that like we, every time we see a uh like a run in from bam bam or a video package of bam bam, I get so jealous that we like he's just not on thunder. <laughs> Well, this is why we did this show. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and he's not on the fucking pay-per-view either. No, he's not. Like, we've just been watching Thunder, and apart from clips, we have not seen sight nor sound of Bam Bam Bigelow, the biggest star in this company. <laughs> yeah. Something else,
0: that, and I, I do mention it later on, is that there's the, the video package they show before the Flair-Bischoff match is the first time we actually get to see what happened to J.J. Dillon. When we had said, like, God, he's vanished off the face of the earth. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, he's quit. (laughs)
1: Um, And not only that, like, I get so irrationally annoyed every time they bring up that they made this fucking triple threat match. I know. And, like, not only do they say, like, right, not only did they make that match on the Nitro, not only did they have... Goldberg and Nash interact and hit each other and Goldberg actually speared Nash they gave away Goldberg spearing Nash on Nitro Yeah, but then on the pay-per-view where people have paid to see these two interact and fight they then show a clip before like halfway through the pay-per-view of them fighting and Goldberg spearing Nash I mean talk about just throwing away like, ah, uh, it's just so annoying, it's really, really
0: frustrating. Um, ha, oh, yeah, right. Next up, speaking of, of frustrating, frustrating, yeah, uh, Saturn versus the cat with Sonny Ono. Uh, <laughs> I wrote here, cat with the usual crap banter, mm-hmm. and I must confess, it was at the start of this match, maybe it was the sugar crash after the cake, but at the start of this match, this is where I tapped out uh and didn't uh resume watching until
1: the following day. Well it was after this match that I tapped out. (laughs) So this match (laughs) did it anyway. Yes.
0: Oh god where do we even I have fuck all written about this. Hey Uh, I think we should know he's now called Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn, yeah. So he's got he's got a full name. Um when I came back the following day and hit resume, I was like, Oh, was I at the end of this match? I was like, no, I, I, I came back to it during the cat having the heat. Uh, It's a really like, it's so disappointing to see Saturn where he is, because this is a really by the numbers glorified TV match. Like what we were four mm-hmm. or five months removed from when it seemed like he was really on the open up and, up and this is what he's doing now. Yep. Um,
1: he was ready to be a guy, and unfortunately, now he's back to this stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Sonny tries the The finish comes. Sonny tries to get involved. I think this match is about seven minutes long. Sonny tries to get involved. He goes to thrust kick Saturn. He hits the cat by accident. Cat is enraged. Kicks Sonny. Uh, Saturn gets the cat up for the Death Valley driver and beats him. Hey, at least the crowd still pop for
1: the Death Valley driver. They
0: did. They know, you know, entrances and finishers. At least, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs>
1: it's it, it's 1998. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I mean, we should know. I mean, what four matches in? Yeah. Um, four babyface wins. Oh yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, fair play.
0: Um, next up we have Mean Woo by God Gene with Ric Flair uh on the ramp in an incredible robe.
1: Is this the robe that he lost? Sorry, lost. And they just bought back on WWE Treasures.
0: Oh, yeah. For what was it? $80,000 or something like that.
1: And then Bix, like, within an hour, had fucking broke down their claims that he had it stolen in (laughs) 1995 because he wore it on TV two days after they said he had it stolen. Trust Bix. I mean, look, Bix has his uses yeah look
0: I will say this no uh, item of wrestling memorabilia getting stolen will ever compare to when someone robbed Jericho's belt (laughs) and the few days of content we got out of that robbed yeah well by all accounts he just left it in the unlocked door of his rental limousine while he went and got pissed and ate steak (laughs) and not even in a good steakhouse there was no back (laughs) steakhouse Till yeah, till my dying day, I will never forget the image of him uh, announcing his worldwide manhunt while uh, sipping uh sipping the bubbly in the hot uh, in the hot tub. In, in the hot tub with a scarf. Yeah.
1: Just yep. oh mercy. Um The man hadn't been sober for three days or something at like that stage. Days. That's what I said, three days. Well. Yeah, I was gonna say it was being generous. <laughs> that, that, but anyway. that 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 was full uh, full blown vodka body Jericho yeah. at that stage. Uh Vod bod. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, he says, so Flair says he told the Horseman that it makes no difference who is here and who isn't here. Bischoff is getting his ass kicked tonight and then proceeds to spend the rest of the, ex- the promo explaining how he's going to kick each individual piece of Rick, of uh, Eric Bischoff in this match. Um, It's not a top-tier Flair promo, but it's enjoyable. You definitely get the feeling that he's going to beat up Eric and it's going to be very entertaining for him to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, now look at it- I mean, my notes say he just says in way too many words that he's gonna kick Bischoff's ass, and that's it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I uh, look, you know, Ric Flair has never spoken briefly in his life, <laughs> you know, so you can't <laughs> expect him <laughs> to start now. Um, the well, Eric Go on, yeah. I was just gonna say, what did you think of this next video package? So here's the thing, right? I think it does a very good job of making this look like it was a long-term build to this match. Mm -hmm. You know, it really papers over a lot of the the times where they just dropped this for a while or did something dumb. They didn't belabor the fake heart attack. Um, They kind of focused on the, like, you know, they hate each other's guts and, you know, there's firings. And the other thing I think it did really well was, um, portray Eric Bischoff as a man that's on the brink of losing his mind Mm -hmm. that he's really starting to lose control. So in those respects, uh, I think it was good. And also for us finally getting to see JJ quitting in this. (laughs) Um, What did you think of it? I
1: thought it was as a standalone piece a fucking fantastic promo package. Yeah. My couple of major issues with it are one Kevin Ash, who was heavily featured in it, is now a babyface in the main event of the show. Yeah, Not an NWO heel. Two, it feels like it's a year too late for this story to be told because the NWO have already split and feuded. Like I said, Kevin Ash is now a babyface that's challenging a other top babyface. Um, all like all the stuff that Bischoff did, like all the conspiring of, you know, being the hidden NWO mastermind and all that kind of stuff, like that was all done in 1997. Like this all could have been built to Starcade 97. Yeah. And like you said, they did a hell of a job making it look like this was a long-term storyline. But all the all the original NWO stuff was NWO versus the tradition of WCW. And who represents the tradition any better than Ric Flair? Yeah. And, and it does feel like this match is a year too late. Mm-hmm. After yeah. watching that package. Yeah, I, I would agree with that.
0: Um, <laughs> next up, real change of pace as we have uh, the men I've collectively referred to in my notes as the goofs, uh, Steiner and Bagwell <laughs> running backstage to confront Conan again and to threaten him a whole bunch. Just as Conan is squaring up, uh Lex comes in to break it up, and then we go to our next match.
1: <laughs> I like what you just go, yep, next match.
0: Yeah, nothing really to this. Like, we just kind of have to power through this portion of the of Starcade because Lord knows they weren't thinking too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, our next match, Dad Battle, as uh Scott Norton and um Brian Adams. Uh, with Virgil, or Vincent, should I say, uh, take on <laughs> Finlay and Jerry Flynn. What a fucking collection of human beings to put in a match. Look, I remember it... your your head nearly fell off when I told you about this
1: on the last show. Yeah. Um, I will say at least they explained, or well, Tane explained it, as Finlay and Flynn were a tag team in the New Japan World Tag League yeah. for the whole previous month. So they have tagged together at least six times. Yeah. And it wasn't just that they were the two WCW guys that were available to go to Japan. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely all very well thought out.
0: Um, It's all very standard fare here, but mm-hmm. I will say this gets the official days of thunder award for being the most divorced
1: energy match of the night. <laughs> to quote Lemmy, she's turned the Weens against us. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> turned the weans against us tag match here. Yeah. Um, just a bunch of dads out on the town, having a bit of a fight, um, really simple strikes, loads of rest holes, Loads of tagging in and out, no intrigue, no real story. Um, the entire plan of this match, if I were to write it down on a coaster, would be here is a match,
1: kill some time,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire plan is you've
1: got five minutes. Um, a lot. I, I, t- with- t- I, t- I was just gonna say, I'll tell you what, if Hoovy was the guy that we have gone up, has gone up in our estimation more than anybody else in 1998. Has anybody else gone down as much as Finley? Oh my God. Finley as the baby face in peril here.
0: Oh my God. I nearly went to sleep. Um, I will say one thing for him. He's looking really trim. Like he's looking like maybe in the, like the slimmest shape I've noticed him in, in any appearance he's had. So yeah. fair play to him there. Yeah. He's putting in the work in the gym, even if he isn't putting the fucking effort in in the ring. Um. Speaking of a lack of effort, this Jerry Flynn hot tag might be the least enthusiastic hot tag I've
1: ever seen in my life. I think, as we once phrased that at an OTT show, a tepid tag. Uh, yeah, a room <laughs> temperature tag.
0: Oh my fucking God. It was awful. Uh, Adams and Finley run in. The match breaks down. Uh, Finley and Adams are. <laughs> <laughs> So as the, the finishing move is about to happen in the most pathetic like um, you know reminiscent of a couple of years from now when Dean Malengo just like accidentally gets eliminated from Battle Royale and just says fuck it and goes <laughs> um, there's like the finishing sequence is about to happen, and clearly, uh, Adams and Finley realize they're not supposed to be in the ring because they're not supposed to break this up. So the two of them just really slowly get out of the ring like their joints are hurting them. I <laughs> like Scott Norton then just casually power bombs Jerry Flynn for the win. Like ample opportunity for, oh uh, it's <laughs> <is> diabolically bad. <laughs>
1: Me. I'd love to
0: break up the pin, but you know what? The back is feeling a bit. I, I'm just going to go out and stretch off the railing there uh, for a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'll bring you back to The Simpsons again. Do you remember the Mr. Playo ad? And Abe is dressed as a old man, winter. old man, fro- old man winter. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, gets kicked up the eyes and you see him in the background going, I'm cold and I'm going inside. Yeah that's,
0: yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh my God. It's just so like, uh, fucking, oh, this is the end of the match. Oh, fuck. I was so like, I wasn't even mad. I was just like, do you have any fucking respect for yourselves at all? No, no, no
1: professional pride at all.
0: Yeah. Was there assumption that I uh, know the camera will cut away from us? <laughs> because it fucking did not, sir. <laughs> God. Right. Me and Gene is with Bischoff this time. And I love Tony Schiavone is loving the fact that Bischoff is the heel in an on-screen feud so that he can call him any name under the sun. Because there's a bit where he just goes, this idiot.
1: (laughs) Is it any wonder that if Eric Bischoff took over this company, that one of the first things he was going to do was sack Tony Schiavone? Oh my
0: God. Yeah. Tony Schiavone
1: having the time of his life just buried Bischoff as his
0: job. Uh, Bischoff says he commends Flair for pursuing this match in spite of the fact that he believes it to be on his be beyond his physical capabilities now he says Flair is wrestling tonight because he needs the money he's broke which a little bit too close to the bone historically I would say mm-hmm. um, he says he says that like you know Ric Flair paid for all his limousines and his jets and things like that but he's smart because he got his company to pay for it and um, and in a a callback to a horrendous angle from Thunder, uh, he says that Rick knows now he's the real kiss stealer. Nope. Yep. It's anyway. Something that
1: Eric would carry over to the WWE.
0: Yeah. Then it um then it cuts to a a video uh, of Jericho from Nitro, and I love Tony's segue from this. Say, well, from one clown to another. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, I love and Tom just shits on things. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Jericho beating up Sonny Jim as fake Conan. Um and is, is that his official name? Apparently. <laughs> um, and then as he is in the uh, Lion Tamer, he is has the microphone to his face and he's describing the crushing power of the Lion Tamer, which I enjoyed very much. <laughs> um Next, uh, next we have the TV title as Conan, the champion, defends against the man who Benzer announces as the leader of the Jericho Holics. Chris Jericho, comes out. And Jericho has the belt because Jericho stole the belt. Um, he says in maybe my favorite promo line of the Nightly that he wants to wish everybody a happy Jericho holiday. <laughs>
1: It would, it would also then steal a Billy Graham or Cyber Billy Graham promo. Yeah. Because he calls himself the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. Yeah. And does the whole Billy Graham stick for no apparent reason. Yeah. It just,
0: again, like it's the whole thing. You know, people, you know, you always take a massive pinch of salt with stories wrestlers say. But the one thing I will always believe with Chris Jericho is that he was confident nobody was paying attention to what he was doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is another prime case of that. Just doing super star promos. He, he
1: is dying for somebody in the back to just go, did, did you actually just do that? Yeah.
0: And like, again, you look at the timeline, this guy's fucking out of here in a few months. So like, it's very much, particularly in the last two months, we've got, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. Energy coming out. Oh, yeah. He,
1: he, as we, I think we discussed that at the time. Like he knows he's gone.
0: Yeah. Once the yeah, like we said a few weeks ago, once the Greenberg thing just ended as nothing, mm-hmm. you knew like that was his resignation that like as soon as he could, he was fucking jumping ship. Um I I did enjoy him just saying, Look, maybe I'm not cool, but I definitely don't know what Bowdy Bowdy means. <laughs> and I don't know what Rowdy Rowdy means. I have no idea what he's saying. Um, the, the match starts and it's all Jericho for the first few minutes. The crowd is relatively quiet. So Jericho uh, is cleverly, he's just needling and provoking the fans. So like he's jawing with them at ringside or uh, he'll do a move on fan favorite Conan and then he'll start taunting and showboating mm-hmm. and he does get them riled up. He get, gets them back. Yeah, he stokes the fire in the crowd. Like they're not, Losing their minds like they were in the first match, but they definitely get back up for sure. Um, Conan uh put the foot up on a top rope dive to start his comeback. He hits his rolling clothesline, and that definitely got the crowd up. Uh Jericho got a lion salt for two. Uh, he goes for a plancha, and uh, this was cool. There was a point at which they had been outside, and Jericho had set up the steps and uh you kind of it was one of those things where they then wrestled for a bit so you forgot about it forget about them yeah he goes to do a plancha and conan redirects him onto the steps which i personally had completely forgotten about uh back in the ring couple of reversals jericho attempts a lion tamer blocked by holding the ankles which bobby Heenid is so impressed by <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah
0: I, I did love Jericho, though, being clever. And he's like, right, he won't let me twist him as a Lion Tamer. So he just slingshots him into a corner. Ref bump. Jericho nails Conan with the belt, but he kicks out. Uh, Conan reverses a press attempt, does the face buster, tequila sunrise, and Jericho taps. Um, I don't know about you, Lee. I thought this was a perfectly serviceable match. Didn't outstay its welcome. Um managed to unkill the crowd, whereas mm-hmm. these past few matches had killed them stone dead. So it absolutely, for the position it was in on the show and the people that were in it, I think it was perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, I honestly, like there was nothing wrong with this match. Um, I think if the crowd had been up coming into it, I would have no problem saying this is the best corner match we've seen.
0: Yeah, I think maybe there was one about a month ago, I remember saying was really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, But um, than, yeah. yeah, like... Just a really well worked match, and like mm-hmm. Jericho, even in spite of not giving any fucks, yeah, is still a supreme worker, and will yeah. work his ass off if given the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, then we
0: have an uh, internet location promo, which was giant, wearing his ring gear, but also like a silk or velour shirt over it. Incredible look.
1: You got uh, a giant.
0: Yeah, Giant implies that uh, Lee Marshall is saying to him that he thinks he can't beat Paige. He gets annoyed at uh, Stagger Lee Marshall and, I quote, all the little computer geeks uh, and storms off. God, that that wouldn't be out of place in a 2021 wrestler promo, would it? Um, Tony says, oh, if only the internet had been around in 1998,
1: Lee. Oh, I tell you, God damn, Um, I mean... What, what would the internet have thought of the giant in
0: 1998? <laughs> Tony, Tony has a great moment here then when they're cutting back for the next match and he goes like, no no
1: go back. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Can we go back to the internet location? Because it looks like Lee Marshall's getting <laughs> choke slammed and we don't want to miss that. <laughs> um <laughs> our next match, the the second biggest match on the card, um in terms of build, it's Ric Flair versus Eric Bischoff in a grudge match. Um and again, Ric Flair, always knowing the occasion and knowing his role, instead of doing the big, grand, slow entrance, halfway up the ramp, sheds the robe and sprints after Bischoff because he can't wait to get his hands on him.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a man that understands
0: his motivation. It's almost like he's very good at this professional wrestling stuff. Oh, I tell you. Um, uh, spe-
1: speaking of which, if you want to listen to us talk about how good he was, we did a Pick Your Poison oh, with James which is yeah. in the
0: uh, archives way back when all yes. about rick flair i think that was, was that episode two or episodes
1: i think that was our third pick your poison mm. um remember so, we did them they were cool
0: yeah we need to get back <laughs> doing them. i'm sorry guys if you like to pick your poison we've really slacked it. our enthusiasm went out the window for uh guest shows once we couldn't get in the same room as people anymore
1: <laughs> well no once we realized it wasn't going to be a possibility yeah. To get into the same room as people, yeah.
0: Our idea was like to bring uh, my recorder on weekend trips away to shows and like get yeah, people Johnny yeah. on the first one uh, and just grab them for an hour. Uh, yeah,
1: we'll get back to that. Um, hey, cool, cool bit of this is Penzer announces Bischoff as EZE. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did like that.
0: Um, Flair follows uh, so as soon as flair runs into the ring bischoff bails uh they do a bit of chasing around he catches him floors him and rolls him into the ring flair absolutely loving life as he's chomp chopping and stomping in the corner chokes him on the ground double fish hooks punches to the head slugging away at him in the corner running knee drops wooing away uh then bischoff starts playing possum screaming my knee Ref admonishes Flair and Bischoff blindsides him with a roundhouse kick to the head, which looked snug. <laughs> I imagine if you're Bischoff, it's kind of, you're getting told to lay it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Make it look real. I wouldn't trust him to do a worked roundhouse. Um, Eric Bischoff is in control and he's absolutely lapping it up. Flair is dazed from the kick and he's outside bleeding. Uh, Bischoff feeling his oats and starts teeing off on Flair, who hasn't recovered. Uh flair he briefly fires up and gets put down again uh flair low blows him and then again and i like i am just of the opinion now that in world championship wrestling low blows are legal i mean they happen so often they do now i know later on because they do mention on this show that the they hear over the headset that the main event which has low blows in it uh is no dq yeah i until i remember that i nearly went off again But yeah, there are definitely like multiple matches we've seen in the last couple of weeks that like just low blows plenty right in front of referees and nothing. Anyway, Flair Flair pulls Bischoff's shirt off. And as soon as he does that, Tony's like, oh, we don't need to see that. (laughs) Put it back on. (laughs) He he chops the living shit out of Eric. Uh, He is so intense in his beating that Charles Robinson tries to break it up. Uh, Flair shoves him over. Hits the most almighty shattered dreams you've ever seen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really hope he felt that one.
0: Yeah, nearly sends Bischoff into orbit with it. Uh, Belly to back, vertical suplex then. Um, Flair puts in the figure four. Eric is in agony. Then who do we have reappear into World Championship Wrestling? Only Kurt Hennig in a slick looking blue suit. Uh, he passes Eric something resembling brass nooks. I didn't get a good look at it, Um, but he puts it in his hand, KOs, flair, and wins as Hennig carries Eric's lifeless body out. But here's the thing, right? Before I turn over to the match, this is the salvo I want to leave you with, Lee, is that Bischoff does such a bad job of concealing the weapon in front of the referee, both while he's doing it and as he's getting out of the ring, that I thought for sure that was the story and they were going to immediately
1: overturn it. Yep. I was waiting for the exact same thing. I was like, oh no, another ref's gonna come out here and, and Flair's they're, gonna get his win. They're gonna restart the match straight away. No, no, no.
0: Eric Bischoff beat Rick Flair at Starcade. Yeah. Just let that sink in.
1: And we move on. Um hey, so- do you, hey, do you know who the new booker is? Who's the new booker? And uh why why he's um putting himself over in the main event and you know, putting over his boss in the semi main event. Mm,
0: weird, isn't it? It's all, oh, what, what is that?
1: Kevin something. The name escapes yeah, me. Yeah. Who, who this I'm sure we'll be. come back to it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He
0: hardly ever comes up on this show. Uh, <laughs> so we get a giant DDP video package next. And my favorite thing about this Lee is that very cleverly it emphasizes the super choke slam as the death move. Hmm. Maybe that might come up in proceedings. Hey, do you remember people said DDP was real bad at this wrestling stuff? Man, you want to talk about people whose estimation has gone mightily up in two years mm-hmm. of this podcast, in my head, is DDP. Um, yeah, but
1: but hey, he planned all these matches.
0: Yeah. Giant versus DDP in a special challenge match. Planned to the T, obviously, as you say, by Paige. Um, Before we get into this match, Lee, I just want to say this. This might be... If not the best, one of the top three giant slash big show slash Paul White matches I've ever seen.
1: You know what? I wasn't thinking about that, but you know what? You're probably right. I I I'd struggle to think of many better. The Floyd Mayweather match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I the Brock match. The Brock match. Yes. And I mean, yeah, it becomes a struggle after that. Yeah, uh, it was.
0: I just thought it was like it was the perfect, like it was, it was the perfect use of him as a giant, as a big, scary giant. And do you know what's great?
1: He's yeah. in really good shape. Yeah, because I was like, like he's yeah. got a big contract. He's about to sign. I was just gonna say because you know why he knows he's leaving in a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love. I absolutely fucking love Mike today before this match begins goes, you know, I've been talking to the EDP backstage and he's told me he's been working on new variations or new ways to get into the diamond cutter.
0: Yeah. And that plays into something that has been a recurring theme of Paige's stories 1998 is what a student of wrestling he is mm-hmm. and how much tape he watches and how much practice he does. Um, it all makes sense for his character that he would think of specific ways to utilize giants offense to find himself in an advantageous position for the diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, works out really well. Um, Page is absolutely fired up for this, uh, this match. You can tell that he knows that they've cooked up something special here. Yeah. Uh, he's running out to both sides of the crowd. Uh running into the crowd as he usually does. And something I know it as well, Lee, is they're really hamming it up, calling
1: him the people's champion. Oh yeah. They were really gone for, hmm. which which is cool until you realize what happens in like a month's time. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Giant strolls out of the corner, spits at Page. Paige doesn't lose his cool though. Again, this is a thing where like, over the last few months, giant's cocky behavior, whether it's Mm -hmm. like spitting here or, you know, smoking or whatever, it's all done to throw people off kilter. Page has studied him. Page knows better than this. So what he does is he just laughs and then spits right back at him. And this knocks giant off his game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, just the littlest thing that I thought was brilliant. And, Then again, you you know, you get the classic giant spot of him with the big kind of lumbering, swinging punches. And Mm -hmm. Page, even though he's a big dude, is playing the little man here. And he's ducking quickly, uh, hitting strikes, hitting shoulder tackles. He's getting in, getting a contact, getting out before he gets hit.
1: It's really good. It's like a boxer. (laughs) One, One thing they do a great job in this match is, and the commentators put this over, they make DDP come off as a small guy. Yeah. You you actually believe that DDP is a really small guy going yeah. up against this giant? Whereas realistically, what there's maybe about
0: six inches in a height difference.
1: Yeah, like, like D- Page D- is a big dude. DDP is a legit like six five probably at this stage. It was like yeah, yeah. Giant is what seven, just over seven foot, probably. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's not that far off. Um, Something else I absolutely love about this again, and it's something like Page is is so good with the cutter. That like a lot of this match is structured around the idea that like the giant is big, the giant is scary, but Lord, if he gets if he, that diamond cutter in, him. Yeah. that's it. You know, not, so if, not, nobody gets up from it. Yeah, that that that's it. Boatmen are put over huge in that respect because it's like mm-hmm. it would take something as devastating as the diamond cutter to beat the giant. Um, nothing else will do. Um. So he attempts his first cutter after a couple of shoulder tackles. Uh, he clotheslines the giant out of the ring then, uh, but giant then clotheslines him when they're outside page. He so so page goes over the fence and giant swings a punch at him. And he uses a trash can to block him and then loaf someone. Uh, he tries <laughs> <Loafed>. to whip, <laughs> tries to whip the giant, but he reverses it into the steps and then pulls page through the post uh, Giant hurls him back. I, again, one of my favorite things that Giant does sometimes where he picks up the dude and just kind of hoofs him up over yeah. the ropes from the floor. I have
1: the exact same note. It's never not impressive when the Giant press slams somebody into the ring. I don't care if it's a Giant, Kane, Grey Cali. I don't care. It's so impressive to me to yeah. press slam somebody into the ring. And particularly when it's
0: someone, again, as you mentioned, the size of Paige. I know they're playing him up as a little man, but he's a unit. And mm-hmm. Giant picks him up like he's a baby. And flings him over. It was like, it's scary.
1: Um, and then, like, the, the next really big spot in the match is a is a bear hug. Yeah. So, DD, so
0: yeah, Giant is firmly in control at this stage. Bear hugs form a, a big part of trying to wear Paige down. Mm-hmm. But Paige, again, you'd, you want to talk about telling the story of the match. Paige knows that if I get in the bear hug, I don't panic. I'm in a situation where I have close contact with him and Mm -hmm. i can start striking him so page is doing things like uh eye gouges to escape holes that the giant has him in does the thing where you like uh the bell clap you do the yeah the bell clap uh to discombobulate him um all sorts of stuff like page is just oh my god he's he's playing a stormer here he's
1: never still he's just constant movement yeah
0: Yeah, and so after he escapes uh, one hold and eye gouge Giant fucking floors him with a chop which is great Um, Page tries to fire up Giant hurls him off him and then smashes him in the clothesline Page really scrappy uh, trying to get back to his feet another bear hug Page reverses a whip with an elbow and then immediately when he sees the giant's face, tries to cut her again Mm -hmm. but Giant reverses into a massive power slam which I thought oh, was class. I thought it was a...
1: F- do you know what of all the spots to get me up out of my seat. I never expected a fucking a power slam off an off a whip. Mm. Like they, they get me to pop, but Jesus.
0: Yeah. He um this is where the like the ego and perhaps like the, the temper from the start of the match comes into play because he pulls Paige up from the count and says he'll pin him when he's damn well ready. And you hear Tanae saying he wants to pin him with the choke slam. Mm-hmm. That's how he wants to finish this. Giant is now taunting the crowd. Another bear hug. Then Paige, in close again, bites his nose. <laughs> because he's right there. He bites the nose, mm-hmm. then attempts a sunset flip. And this... Like, I know we talked about the Doomsday spot earlier, Lee. This and is I, your spot of the night, is it? I. This is my spot of the night. So... He attempts a sunset flip giant, obviously too big for the sunset flip. We've seen it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. He reaches down. And with all the power in his body, he puts both hands around DDP's neck and bear in mind, again, like we said, DDP, probably six, five, mm-hmm. like well over the 200 pound mark. He lifts him up into not just to his feet, but into the air in one fluid motion in one fluid motion and speaking of one fluid motion takes him from two hands to one hand to a fucking choke breaker (laughs) and I lost it yeah I I left I fucking leaped out of my chair I watch this five or six times, and yeah. each time I love something new about it. there's the fluid motion. there's the transitioning from two hands to one without the loss of any force.
1: there's the into the, spin. into the he does, spin he does he, he does the like the choke slam spin that he does. he incorporates that he spins his whole body yeah,
0: and like right so. We I talked earlier about how I'm really pay attention paying attention to and appreciating crowd noises. You know, now mm-hmm. the crowds are starting to come back in 2021 and looking back on full crowds in 1998. We've already said that at various points in this show the crowd was hot, they had great reactions. When Big Show, or sorry, Big Shows, when Giant hits this choke breaker, the crowd gasps mm-hmm. and that's not an exaggeration lee like no, it's not like it, it,
1: huge it, pop it, it, it's it's a gasp yeah, they they can't believe what they've just seen
0: yeah it it is devastating to the extent where this should be this guy's finish
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it looks like fucking death
1: how did he not all of a sudden go in his mind well well that's it that's how i differentiate myself from the 18 other people that do a choke slam
0: yeah this went from people being impressed by how decent this match was to full on like, oh my god, is Paige okay?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And it was probably one of the safer spots, you know, of the night as yeah. well. Like, um, if you watch it carefully, um, Giant attempts what looks like a hip toss, but it gets reversed into the float over DDT, which is known as the Diamond Dream now. Uh, and I just gotta say, it's it's very funny between the People's Champ and the float over DDT. Yeah, hmm. (laughs) Where are you getting your inspiration from, dear pal? Who could say? Uh, Paige makes a cover, but Giant does the kind of press you off the pin and it takes out the ref. Brett comes out with a chair. He, and I'll tell you what, Mm -hmm. Brett swung for the fences with this chair shot and he got nothing but Giant with that chair.
1: My Uh, god, that chair shot! (laughs) Oh my god, I am not you. I am not used to seeing chair shots like this in 2021. No,
0: um, and it again in one fluid motion. It's almost as the chair is still being brought down after the accidental chair shot. DDP is bringing his arm up to low blow Brett, immediately taking him out of the equation mm-hmm. because again, DDP is smart. He knows because of the long simmering hatred with Brett that Brett is probably coming out at some point, so he's ready for him. Um, so then. Uh yeah, giant powers out at two. Then after the chair shot, uh, DDP does a top rope clothesline. Then does it again. He calls for the cutter. Goes up top. He dives off the top. Then giant catches him in position for the choke slam. But then decides this isn't good enough. So he hoofs him up to the top and then Lee. This made you lose your shit. So I'm gonna let you take over
1: for the finish. I mean, you you set it up perfectly. The build to this match is the Giants came up with this incredible idea of the super choke slam from the top rope. And my God, does it pay off? Because, <clears throat> like you say, he catches him in position for the choke slam, says, No, no, that's that's not enough. I want to fucking I want to lay this man out. I want to put him out, I want to hurt him. He goes for the super choke slam. And in the middle of the rotation. Like, like, it it's hard to explain because, like, in in my mind, I can see exactly what they're doing. Like, Giant yeah. is going for the Choke Slam, where he has to twist instead of Choke Slam and straight down. He has to twist the guy around and turn his body into the Choke Slam into the ring. Yeah. So, in the middle of the rotation, you just if you did this frame by frame, you would see the exact moment that DDP slips out of the Choke Slam into the cutter and I don't think they could have done this any better no because even in a, at real speed it just it is so so smooth so f- again flawless as of what I said earlier on about cruise rates it's just perfect and you you talked about earlier on the reaction of the crowd to the choke breaker I mean they fucking explode for the cutter yeah
0: it's like, it's like you said, you, you talked earlier in the triangle match about timing. And that's mm-hmm. really what, like, the, this was flawless timing. I, it's I couldn't like get over
1: it. He, he doesn't lose, like, Giant doesn't lose his grip mm-hmm. as he's taking him out of the corner. It's on the rotation that he loses him. Yeah. And I don't know <laughs> if, that, if that was Paige saying, you know, I'm going to catch you as you're turning, or, you know, as you're turning, I'll slip into the diamond. I don't know. Yeah. But whether they panned it that way or not, it just looks so perfect. Yeah. That as he's literally on the downswing, Paige is no longer being held by his throat. He now has him in the cutter. Mm-hmm. And it's just so fucking... Like I say, they couldn't have done it any better. I don't think anybody could ever do it any better than that. They did. Yeah. Oh, no. I absolutely
0: loved it. Uh, almost as much as I loved uh, Tony then saying after the match uh, to Brett... Take your chair and go back to Calgary, you lame brain. (laughs) Uh, Um, Brett tries to sneak in to attack him again, but Paige
1: fends him off. Yeah. And I think we have to say, like coming off the the Goldberg match at Halloween Havoc, DDP had the, he won the US title the next night. So he got that like instant recovery. He went into the feud with Brett, lost the title back to Brett. That's fine. You know, Giant became involved, so it became like a two-on-one feud, as we saw continued on this. So he transitioned from Goldberg to Bret, yeah, to got to Giant, yeah. At Genoa, he lost nothing.
0: Yeah, he didn't. What like you know, he's right up there in terms of like bodies of work in 1998 in this mm-hmm. company that you would gladly go back and look at. Do you know, there are only a couple of occasions where I, I can remember matches being slightly disappointing. Um, and usually they're just individual missteps in just a broadly interesting year for him. So, yeah, really nice stuff again. Uh, we have uh, a video package, the the redux of the, uh, the In Memoriam one from earlier. Mm-hmm. And Lee's best friend, Michael Buffer, is here. It's time for the main event, which is historically in so many ways. It's Kevin Nash versus Goldberg for the WCW title, no disqualification.
1: I, I mentioned this on Twitter after after the DDP match and the uh, the video package again. I paused the uh, video, mm-hmm. the network paused the network, and I just sat for a minute and I was like, okay. It, yeah. this is it. Like it, it, this is you. You cannot go home again. There's no, no turning back from this point. And and I honestly, I, people think I'm doing a bit. Like honestly, I did. I sat there for a minute and I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it now. And then we're gonna do the podcast. And it's gone. It's, it's like it's like the end of like I know it's the end of 1998, but it does feel like the end of the company almost being a irrelevant company almost this is
0: something we've, we've hyped up for a long time in terms of the decision made at the end of this match mm-hmm. is one of the big early contributors of the irreversible decline the butterfly effect that spreads yeah. out from this one decision it, it is what ultimately leads us on the path to this company not existing I'm not saying that the company would still exist to this day had it gone differently, but it's certainly when you trace the series of events, it's a very important one, you know, ultimately, regardless of how the booking was, there may still have been after the AOL Time Warner merger, Jamie Keller may still have decided that he didn't want wrestling anymore. Um, we don't know. It's sliding doors, you know, but anyone who tracks this period of time will note how significant this and an upcoming nitro are
1: in in accelerating the process i think mm-hmm. and i don't I like i just wanted to say like i genuinely did take that moment to just think about the gravity of dispatch hmm
0: um going into had you ever seen this full match before yes yes Yes, yes. okay because that's the thing like i know a lot of people who kind of you know wouldn't have watched weekly at the time and again i think Mm -hmm. you know we're coming right up to when i started watching weekly but a lot of people who kind of have just read death of wcw or just know from you know osmosis of being online for so long will have seen the finish but not necessarily the full match so it's it's interesting that you have um as we go into this Mm -hmm. um Nash during his entrance I lost it for what I'm sure was a line that drove you crazy from Buffer where he says that like, although originally from Detroit his accomplishments and glory in professional wrestling make him a citizen of the world
1: <laughs> Fucking... the, the, the one that got me was standing tall at 7 feet <laughs> just say 7 foot tall
0: whatever way what, 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 he's not going to stand short at. Uh... anyway uh, then we go to Goldberg's entrance and Goldberg takes time in the middle of his entrance to sign a kid's shirt. And I'm just sitting there like this kid's supposed to be a Goldberg fan. Get the fuck out there. The main event is on.
1: OK, no, I loved that. I loved Did you? that little bit. Yes, because
0: that is something that has never happened before. Goldberg actually having human emotions.
1: Goldberg, like the, the Goldberg character, as soon as yeah. he start getting the big entrance. Yeah. All you ever got was Goldberg, you know, bangs on the door, headbutts yeah. the door, headbutts the lock, whatever he it is. He felt detached from people. And comes out, and he doesn't stop. Yeah. And, you know, the security are there. They're not there to protect him. Yeah. They're there to protect other people. Yeah. That was always the thing. Yeah. And this time, he does something
0: different. Yeah. I guess maybe it's my recency bias with him and Sundberg,
1: um (laughs) that didn't which which i get but no to me like this is this is a great bit of foreshadowing yeah of oh he's done something different here yeah
0: oh yeah no i like that yeah that's that's giving me a different perspective on it yeah um man like (laughs) coming out here doing his entrance i just had to bask in the moment that like goldberg has such a special
1: aura which mm-hmm. is making me just so mad coming
0: into this yeah. match. Like,
1: um, uh. one, other, one other thing. Buffer got the number on the streak wrong. He said 174. That was 173. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's a
0: worked number or something. Uh-huh. Uh, so the two of them posturing and posing early, um, knowing they don't need to rush into the action straight away because the crowd is absolutely hot. There's one point where it looks like they're going to tie up and Nash just leans back and throws up the two sweets, and yeah. everybody goes crazy.
1: Um, one other little thing and it's just a feel and it just adds to the atmosphere. These two guys had so much pyro. Yeah. The two of them. I Imposterous. Actually, I, <laughs> I, I loved on Nash's entrance. His pyro goes off and it doesn't stop until he's in the ring. Yeah. But it's not pyro. It's just red. As he's walking to the ring, the whole scene behind him is just pure red. And it's it's one of them shots that just stuck with me. And yeah. it always has stuck with me. Just iconic. Um, but I love that after Goldberg comes out and they're in the ring and the instructions on the ring, or the bell has rang and the whole ring is just still full of smoke. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's immediately like big fight feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Nash attempts a headlock and gets backdropped by Goldberg to a huge roar. Again, you want to talk about like impressive physical feats. Nash, not a small man. And... Goldberg can just toss him around, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that's remarked on by by Heenan, uh, in particular, who like knows exactly what he's doing here. Um, so Goldberg paces, and this is what I love as well. So the backdrop happens, and and Nash slides out the ring because he's surprised, and instead of going out to pursue him, Goldberg just paces and waits, mm-hmm. which is awesome. God, he was so good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if again we've said it so many times, Lee, he's not. Ric Flair in the ring no, he was he didn't blessed, have to be. but he didn't have to be yeah. he had mega star aura and
1: physical charisma and again if you've been with him for the long haul it's seen the difference that early on Goldberg would have followed Nash out yeah he would have done on the and he would have made a mistake eventually yeah except now he knows he's the champ he has to come to me yeah Nash slowly in They
0: tie up, Nash immediately goes for his knee, uh, goes to hit one of his knees, uh, punches and elbows. Nash realises he needs to stay on top of Goldberg if he's going to win this one. Pushes him into the corner, hits the knees, more punches, trying to wear Goldberg down. Then, mistake, Nash showboats for a second too long before hitting his elbow, goes to do the foot choke in the corner, but Goldberg has had a little bit of time to recover. And in, a, in something that just blew the commentators' minds while he's doing his big foot choke in the corner, Colbert Cul- just casually just walks grabs down. the boot yeah. and
1: just drops it down and drops him with it. He just, he literally walks out of it because he literally just grabs the foot and walks him backwards yeah. until Nash stumbles. Yeah, It's just, again, like you, like, it's something we'll talk about at the end of the match, but yeah, like, It's just little things that are different that you don't expect this match to be. Speaking of things that are a little bit
0: different, then Nash, obviously, like surprised and a bit thrown off by this, goes for a submission hold Mm -hmm. uh, to try and trap Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg gets out, tries his knee bar on him. Then Goldberg rocks Nash with a right hand, like sits him down mm-hmm. on his ass with a white hat with a right hand, and like commentators like, "When have you seen wow. yeah. Nash dropped with with one punch?" Uh, he ducks the uh, so yeah, Nash whips him. Goldberg ducks the big boot, rebound spear. People go fucking apeshit. shit. Yeah, he signals for the jackhammer. Nash is limp. He uses the last of his energy as Goldberg is picking up to low blow him and buy time. Nash then hits a big sidewalk slam for a two count. Uh, this is the heat spot now with Nash working over Goldberg. But every kind of few seconds, Goldberg will have a little bit of a flurry, try to fight back. He hits a spinning neck breaker, which is class, uh, an underhook suplex, which is, again, very physically impressive. Mm hmm. Uh, the standing side kick and you think we're heading back towards the finish now again power slam and like Goldberg hits like you want to talk about like this guy's freaky athleticism his little corkscrew drop kick here? spin kick yeah yeah crazy and then of all people to come out like you know who's coming out at the end but every time I see this match I forget this bit first where Disco is out in his Wolfpack gear and Goldberg is on him straight away just uh, all over him like a wet flannel, pulls him in, spears him, and then Bam Bam is out and Goldberg dispatches him fairly quickly. Now, mm-hmm. before we get to this final bit, how great would, like, if if it had finished with a jackhammer now where it's just like the world and Kevin Nash threw the fucking kitchen sink at this guy and you still couldn't put him down. I If, if that had been the ending, I would have been like, badass, man. Yeah. But unfortunately, Goldberg thinks all the threats are done now. As he backs into him, one of the security guards gets up on...
1: Yeah, we should say he's backing into the corner to set up for another spear. And
0: we're looking through the perspective of the corner camera. Yeah. And we can hear this clicking. And a security guard gets up and it's Scott Hall. And he's got a cattle prod, a stun gun, whatever you want to call it. And Buries it straight into the center of Goldberg's chest, completely immobilizing him. He collapses to the ground. Jackknife, power bomb, and the streak is over. The biggest surprise of this being how many people cheered. Um, yes, because like I know Nash and the Wolfpack are beloved, but this is fucking Goldberg, man, and it goes to show that like people really do pop for title changes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately the wrong lessons are ultimately learned about that idea. But from WCW who changed the title, I think in 2000, the world title changes something like 24 times or yeah. something like that. Um, so yeah. Um, how do you dissect this? <sighs> I should say as well, by the way, before you get to this, that the commentary really emphasized that Nash didn't see Hall. Mm -hmm. he has no idea what happens and he even sells a bit of confusion as to how confusion so fucked up.
1: Um, I mean, to me, this is... This is a great main event. I mean, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of like a clever way of saying it. I love this match. I think this is a great match up until... Last 20 seconds. Yeah, like... Even, as you said, even the disco interference, the the Bam Bam interference, if it comes back to, well, Goldberg just beats his ass anyway. I mean, yeah, he looks like the baddest motherfucker in the world. Yeah. And look, to me, I wouldn't do the whole screwing Goldberg and helping Nash without Nash's knowledge stuff in the main event of Starcade. Would it be okay for a Slamboree or Fall Brawl or something? Maybe. Yeah. If the follow-up wasn't what the follow-up was. Yeah. I, I don't and I think... think, I, I, think that, I think that's what ultimately taints it. If, if this were to go on and the Wolfpack were to become the biggest heels and spend a year yeah. keeping keeping Goldberg away from Nash to build to Starcade 1999, Yeah, I have no problem with that.
0: And it has to be someone like Nash as well, because I think if you put Hogan in this slot, it
1: dies. It doesn't a death work. As well we've we've done it. We've been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um if, but like I said, if you are making now Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are your two biggest asshole heels in this company for the next year. Yeah. And and say Fall Brawl eventually Goldberg gets a haul. Yeah. And then from Fall Brawl right through to Starcade, you are building to the Goldberg versus Nash. Mm-hmm. I think they have a money match there. Yeah. I don't. um,
0: I I would never under any circumstances say that they never should have broken the streak at all. My ever since I saw this first and ever since I I read around it and everything like that. Initially, my thought has always been my my problem with it has always been not now Mm -hmm. and not like this. I agree that this all streaks should eventually end. Yes. And it's the problem pro wrestling has had, as long as there's been pro wrestling really, is you almost never get a satisfactory payoff to the streak breaking,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? Um, like you, you name a streak and like, so like Undertaker's WrestleMania streak Um, gets broken and even though it's probably the right guy to break it Mm -hmm. uh, the match is terrible Uh, Brock's booking up until that point like uh, where he was trading trading wins with Triple H like this guy should have been himself unbeaten until this Mm. all that sort of thing One I think of in recent years as well was the Rusev streak As soon as they broke that, in what was a very good match, I enjoyed the match where it did get broken, but like no follow up. Yeah, he was just a
1: guy. I actually about a week and a half ago, I went back and listened to the CM Punk Cole Cabana podcast. Yeah, and if you actually listen, CM Punk's biggest gripe is, okay, I'll do this, but what's next? Yeah, and to me, that is the big takeaway from here. Yeah. Goldberg losing isn't the problem. It's, okay, Goldberg loses, and now what? Yeah, Go, Goldberg loses, and we're not
0: saying that Goldberg immediately drops to the mid-card or anything like that. Like, he's still a star until the very end,
1: mm-hmm. but it's not the same. No, it's not because, and and to me, it's because 22 years later, we're able to sit here and know what happened next. Mm-hmm. To me, the problem isn't that he lost at staircase. To me, the problem isn't that Scott Hall interferes. Yeah. To me the problem is to follow up on January 4th yeah
0: because also that's the other thing I should say like when you break the Goldberg streak it should be something like this where you're like <laughs> like you oh he lose. did
1: he didn't lose he did not like he yeah. did not lose you
0: you have when it's a baby face you have to do it like this like when it's a, a heel uh and you break the streak it has to be clean the baby has face to be baby you have to get the you have to keep the crowd on side of the baby face like mm-hmm. if the baby face streak is broken clean then like like it 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 muddies the water. Or something terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, my big takeaway from it is this idea. I've already mentioned it is lessons. It's like what does this finish and what follows teach WCW fans? And the ultimate lesson of what they do to Goldberg in this match and in the next weeks that we are going to be covering is they are conditioning their fans. That there is no point in getting invested in anyone. Yeah, because this was the one guy who was more special than anybody. Baron. Mm-hmm. Baron. He, you know, much to the chagrin of the man himself, he beat Hogan clean as a sheet in the Georgia Dome. One of the most spectacular main events ever broadcast on TV in the United States. He was like, this could have been the guy, you know, I, I think on that night, even uh, Heenan is saying like this is the guy that carries the company into the new millennium. And I know people like Heenan and people backstage truly believe that, that this guy is a Steve Austin level guy mm. for us. The, you know? they,
1: yeah, like the, Like you said, the, the clever people backstage, they knew they had a guy that could carry this company for years. Yeah. They didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was not do anything stupid.
0: Yeah, and they they did. And they did. As you say, not necessarily beating him, but the fallout and the way it told fans that even your most special
1: guy, not that special. Yeah, don't don't get invested in anybody because ultimately the NWO wins and it's all about the NWO. Yeah, we bring it full circle with
0: a year ago when we started, like a year ago in, in the timeline when we started the podcast, a year ago, they were teaching you not to get invested in Sting.
1: And look at the follow-up there. Look yeah. what happened in that January. Yeah. We came we came into the show. We said we both sat down and we watched Starcade. And it was, you know, this big crowning moment that they kind of fucked up, but they could have got back with a good follow-up. What did they do for the following two months? They said, yeah. "Ah, maybe there's a world champion, but, you know, Hogan's the one that's saying he deserves it. So uh, maybe he deserves it. And Sting's just kind of gone, yeah and
0: sting the ultimate wcw hero going into 1998 is at this point in the timeline one of four guys in an offshoot of the nwo yeah you know and goldberg it doesn't quite fall that far that quickly but it's like i said it's just not the same it's um I mean It is one of the most, in hindsight, mind-boggling. Like, you can say with a guy, like I mentioned Rusev earlier, like he was US champion. He wasn't main eventing WrestleManias when you beat him. You can say, right, the fact that they had nothing for him, it's a shame, but it's not going to be their number one priority to figure out. Goldberg was the guy. He was the franchise mm-hmm. at this point. He was the box office. If you can't find out what's next for that
1: guy, yeah. What the fuck are you doing in this business? I mean, by summer 1999, listen to this. By summer 1999, DDP will have been a heel. Rey Mysterio will have been a heel. Sting will have been a heel. Like, who's left?
0: Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And this is why we've every time we've mentioned nineteen ninety nine. Oh, so, get... sorry, sorry, Rick Flair will also have torn heel. Yeah, we get so down on nineteen ninety nine because nineteen ninety nine is the year where
1: everything gets thrown away.
0: Everything gets thrown away, and not even always in the funny way that we'll get to laugh at when when Big Vinny Roo comes on board. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time he comes on board, I'm going to be having a fucking great time. Oh, yeah.
1: It's it's like it will have gone full banter at that stage.
0: But like, obviously, we're going to take the piss and have fun. Mm -hmm. Of course. But like in the grand scheme of the history of the business, I think in a way, us covering 1999 is going to be the most interesting year we will do Mm -hmm. on the podcast because of how many occasions... And as you guys are watching the shows along with us or keeping up with the podcast, you're going to see where every time they could have taken a left and gotten back, not quite to 97, 98 levels for them financially. But if they had taken the other direction, like if they'd taken that left, they they could have started the build back Mm -hmm. up to somewhere, but they always take the right. There are and, moments. There are moments of calm, moments of oasis where you think, "Oh, this is like this is a nice little they've they've hit on something here." But then they ultimately just snuff it
1: out every time. And, and we should say, like throughout this Goldberg run, as great as it has been, and we have we have absolutely loved it, business had started to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, as wrestling fans know, ultimately, house show business and ticket sales and merch sales, they're generally six months ish behind so you know what you've done over the past six months will ultimately affect you in the next six months yeah so you could have the best show in the world in 2021 or in June 2021 but if you were doing shit in january 2020, 2021 you're not gonna do good business in June 2021. there's a no- l- nobody has any faith in you yeah there's a, there's a line in death of wcw that i think is a meltzer
0: line where it's when a company is hot, mm-hmm. there's almost no fuck up. You can do yep. nothing, no wrong decision you can make that will fuck up that hot streak. No, when you start going cold, there nothing. is nothing you can do to turn it around. And we will see not only can they not turn it around once it starts to go, but they're
1: actively but trying they to turn it. Accelerate. Into the skid yeah. Instead, yeah.
0: you know, um,
1: Look, and, and look, I feel awful ending the podcast on these notes because yeah. ultimately I enjoyed the show.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the show very much. And we'll talk about the final valuation uh, in a minute. But I want to say that in this discussion, Lee, I've kind of, it's weird because I've kind of got a more optimistic outlook on what it's going to be like covering 1999. Not because of like, I think that we're going to change the timeline and WCW will live, but uh, more that now I'm starting to see why 1999 is going to be so interesting. Like even if it's maddening at points, which it fucking will be. Yeah. And even if it's not the most banner year of in-ring content we'll ever see, which it is not. Um, from a historical perspective, 1999 is fascinating because as well as all that stuff that we have just described, over the other way as well, the WF is on fire and there's lots of stuff they're doing in 99 that, you know, particularly in hindsight, but even at the time you're just like, "Oh, this is kind of dog shit, but they're on a hot streak at that point and they're careening away. And yeah, it's one of the most 1997 and 1999 um, and 1998 as well are two of the most, are three of the most fascinating years in the history of the business the ascent peak and the start of the decline of, of WCW. And then we get into fucking wacky town for the last year and a half. So uh, I think like though, the thing that is interesting about our, our look back at these shows will change. I don't think
1: it will make the content any less interesting. You know what I mean? I I think considering we've mentioned a couple of times, I think we should say our next episode obviously is going to be the thundies. Mm Mm-hmm. And then our episode following that will not be a thunder. Yep. We will be covering. A, uh, I think we should say this. I think we yep. will be covering both raw and nitro from January 4th, 1999. Yep. Yeah. It's a big night. It's one of the biggest nights in American wrestling television history.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have yet to necessarily decide whether it's going to be a big bumper show where we're talking about both or whether we do it as two separate episodes. It'll probably be a thing where we'll get into it and see how much we've dug out of it. We go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I might end up splitting it. We'll see. Um, But yeah, right. Uh, let's end on a positive note. Yeah. Final thoughts on Starcade 1998. Uh, Winners and losers, please.
1: I think ultimately this was a really good pay per view to end the year. I think you could take out a couple of matches the tag, the NWO Hollywood tag match, the Prince Ikea match, and this would still be a really, really solid what, seven match card, eight yeah. match card. Um, yeah, so it would have been seven matches if you took away those two. You could throw in some other, like maybe excuse me, a Raven or a Canyon or somebody like that. Somebody that's pushed. Yeah. Give them a match maybe if you had to, but ultimately I think this was, I mean, it was one of the better pay-per-views we've seen.
0: Yeah. In isolation for sure. And it's Um, one of those where rarely do I come out like, you know, we've only recommended people actually go out of their way to watch a handful of matches over the year this might be the first show where I'm recommending two matches for people to go back on actually technically three
1: so I, do you, know, do you know what I'd actually say I think this show gets rightly condemned because of the finish of the main event yeah but I think people should go back and watch this whole show and it's, just see what yeah. exactly was going on in WCW yeah
0: go get yourself some cakes for the middle third
1: Uh but yeah. Oh, yeah, like, look, skip liberally.
0: Yeah. Truth stuff is, that
1: doesn't matter. Yeah,
0: it is a snapshot of 1998 WCW and all the good and bad that comes with it. And if you're going to go back to individual matches, yeah, historically, the main event is worth looking at. Um, and it's, to be fair, it's probably one of the better matches I've seen Kevin Nash have this whole mm-hmm. year. Um, and, yeah, that opening back-to-back uh, Kidman performances, the the triangle match and then the Eddie match, and then I definitely think people should watch this DDP giant match. I loved yep. it. Loved it. I, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: your winners and losers, sir. I mean, Billy Kidman and DDP and the Giants. I think the trade them come out of the show looking fucking superb. Yeah. Couldn't disagree with you. I mean, Hoovy, like we said earlier on, an absolute banner. Like, um I mean Goldberg and Nash had a great match without yeah. actually doing much, <laughs> which is which is phenomenal in and of itself. Yeah. Um honestly, like a lot of people on the show came out better than they went in.
0: Mm-hmm. What what about losers though?
1: I mean Oops. ultimately. <laughs> yeah, I I I I hate giving us as the answer because. yeah. It's easy. Uh, Yeah. We could say that on every episode. I mean, I'm going to give one. I mean, Prince Ike. every time I see him, he just gets worse. Yeah.
0: And just gets like a guy who I think two times now they've tried to push in this whole year. And like both times they've just dropped him as quick as anything. It's like,
1: it's just like, why? And it just
0: just gets worse from here. We're still a good bit off seeing the artist. the
1: artist, I know, I know.
0: Anyway yeah more on that much later uh finally the finish counter brought to you by ludwig borga we had nine matches on this show and this is indicative of where we're going lee because on this nine match card we had four clean finishes and five interference leading directly to a finish make of that what you will sir um Anyway, thanks for listening again. We'll be back in two weeks with the Thundee Awards. So it'll be a lot more of a kind of like looking back at the fun and the highs of 1998. I'm really looking forward to that show and trying to get as much interaction from you guys, the Thunder Buddies, as possible uh, to read out on the show. So... captain socials there Lee Malone is going to (laughs) be bugging everybody for poll responses and tweets about what you think of the show and the the stuff in WCW 1998 all that good shit Uh, and you can contact us about all that but uh, until then folks thank you very much for listening and we'll see you very soon. Thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself Dave Ryan and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram where we We love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the world cast, through the years in the International House of Combat to Wrestling of the Present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, yours, mine and the truth, and busting balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder it's breaking in your heart.